Hm? Ah! Everybody, I'm Rima. I'm Ben. And I'm Paige. This is Strange Indeed, a podcast dedicated to the CBS All Access miniseries, The Stand. This week we are covering episode five, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, aka Suspicious Minds, aka <laughs> uh, <laughs> lots and lots of sex. <laughs> it's it is I'm what not, it is. That's, I'm not going to be able to talk about anything else. No. <laughs> this, <laughs> this <episode>. it, <laughs> let's just be real. It's lots and lots of sex and sex and more sex. Yeah. It's, one of those was like, I know it's CBS. It was like, I know they've gotten like, they've gotten away with whatever language they want to use, but I was not expecting to go. It's like, well, that's a lot of boobs. And that's even more. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I, I mean, there is literally a scene where somebody is doing someone from behind in an elevator. Like, yep. it's, like yeah. Well, hasn't everyone? Come on. Um, <laughs> who hasn't but, done the glass elevator? Yeah, right? Who hasn't done that? I mean, that's the that's the fun part of being in a glass elevator, being a little bit of an exhibitionist. <laughs> Um, I'm really starting to worry who I'm podcasting with right now. <laughs> like, I, I, I mean, because I mean, anytime I've done that in an elevator, there has been no open window on the other side for people to look in. So it's, man. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, we have Pake back with us this week. Welcome back, Pake. Yay, it's great to be back. What an episode for you to come back on. Yeah, <laughs> this was a good one. This was, they had no clue this is what would be in this episode when we uh, discussed this. But um, we're glad, glad you're here to talk all the, uh, all the fun, mm-hmm. fun with us. So we should have expected it. We really should have. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, I know last week, Ben, you and I were talking about, you know, how we, we were pretty sure that Vegas, you know, was going to be in this episode, but mm. you know, when we, we were talking about, you know, um, you know, having Paik on, we didn't know that episode five was going to be. So I didn't know they were going there, which we'll talk about that a little bit, but I didn't know they were going quite that far with, with 
with Vegas, but um, I mean, it's 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 weird too because you look at the content that was in this episode with New Vegas, and then you look at the age difference between you and I and Paik, and it's almost <laughs> like we're bad parents taking our kid to an R-rated movie, <laughs> or 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 the kid or the parent taking their kids to Vegas. Yeah, I feel like. <laughs> I, look, I don't care that you cannot tell me that Vegas is kid friendly. I'm sorry, I just don't see it. I've been to Vegas. I I, I would not take my five-year-old but yeah it feels a little bit like that we're we're the naughty <laughs> naughty parents taking our kids to vegas yeah, Sorry, what, an, what an episode to have Pake back on for it this is like <laughs> hey i'm glad i'm happy no. <laughs> at least at least you're over 18 so we yeah. can <laughs> well over i'm good <laughs> and it's it's so weird like i know we haven't do- like we we haven't made the dive into the episode yet but when you first get to Vegas and you're looking at all this stuff in the background, it is literally overload. There is, you know, yeah. it, it wasn't it's... until my second viewing that I saw the sex in the elevator. I'm like, wait, wait a minute. Did I just see what I thought? How did I miss that the first time? There wait, you is... only watched it twice? No, no, no. No, it, no, it was on my second viewing okay. that I noticed it. I watched the episode three times. Um, seven. And... <laughs> It, it's all I've watched since it first uh, But I mean, like there is, there is, there is sex everywhere. Yeah, in New Vegas, and like I mean, there is le- legitimately a guy. Forgive my language. A guy blowing another guy. Yeah, on the floor of the casino. Like it's mm-hmm. crazy. Yeah. Yeah. They, they turned stuff. that floor of the casino into just a giant orgy. That's all it was with lots of champagne and a killing pit for some reason. Seen out of <laughs> Westworld, man. <laughs> hey, what was that? Season one? Westworld? What? What, see what? Season one or season two? That, see, season that was a two. really good scene. I don't know. Now <laughs> I need to go back and watch that. Um, Which one? Uh, like the, like the orgy. The orgy. Oh, the train cars. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that was still season one. But it's been a while. Yeah, it's been a while. Gosh, yeah, they they really spaced out the 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 seasons, how often they came out. So I honestly can't remember. Um, <laughs> and speaking of Westworld, we've got uh, James Marsden in that yeah. show and in this one. Good, good callback. Um, <laughs> Thank so, you, to everybody, for listening. Good night. <laughs> <laughs> good night. We're off to go watch the this episode one more time. Yep. Thank you. I'm gonna just gonna like skip through all the other parts um, and get to the. Randall flag parts. Um, well, okay. So in general, um, what are thoughts? Paik, what are your just general thoughts um, without going too deep uh, about this week's um, episode? I think it was a really great episode. Um, you know, aside from. <laughs> aside from what we just everywhere. talked about. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, but just like the, the Randall flag stuff and the stuff with the spies and coming again from somebody who's very familiar with the 94 series, seeing like, okay, that's where they're going with this episode. They're doing that storyline. Now here's what's happening. Mm-hmm. And then seeing it play out and being like, okay, that was, that was done very well. I really liked, you know, Dana's whole arc and story throughout this episode. And yeah, I think, yeah, it's as sad as it is to see her go at the end of this episode. It's like, that's the role she was supposed to play here. And she did it phenomenally. Yep. I agree. Ben, what are your general thoughts? Did you like this week's episode? I, I did. I, I enjoyed it. I, when we get into when we dive into the episode a little bit, I will I'll give you my 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 more specific thoughts. Uh, I do have some predictions for where uh-huh. I think this series is going to go, okay. uh, or namely 
one or two things I think I'm I'm predicting might happen. And they're actually when we get to our top three, it's actually my predictions are actually my number one. So uh, I'll save them for when we get to that point. But I will say that if my predictions, at least one of them come to fruition, if you are somebody who hates the major changes from the book that they're making to the series, you are really going to hate it going forward <laughs> because I I'm predicting a major, major change in this story. If it happens, I, I, again, it's a bold prediction. Mm-hmm. But if it happens, me personally, I'm kind of digging it. So we'll okay, wait till we cool. when we get to the wait top get, three. It's a nice tease. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, gosh, now I can't wait to get to through our top three. I think there was something that was really hinted at in this episode that is going to be a big change to this story, and I'm I'm really I'm really anxious looking ahead to see if they're going to do it. All right. Well, cool. Um, well, I, I, I like this week's episode, um, as well. Um, aside from, from what we talked about, um, there were, there were a few, um, oh gosh, a few performances I thought could have maybe been just a little bit better, but, um, I think overall, um, I did enjoy the episode. I know that there were some changes. Um, I, I feel like because we haven't seen, or sorry, read the book, is probably why we're maybe enjoying it more than most. I feel like maybe we would have different thoughts if we had read the book and been real admirers and loved the book so strongly, strongly like so many people do that we might have more problems with it. But I do, I am just enjoying the series, enjoying it as like just its own thing. I'm curious mm-hmm. to see what we'll think after we go and read the book, after we um, watch the series, if our thoughts will be any different um, after we've read the book and finished it. So I don't know. We'll have to, we'll have to talk, we'll have to talk about that in our book club, um, our thoughts on, yeah. <laughs> on how if it changes or not, but I am curious cause I know there's, um, still a lot of people having some, some issues, you know, with the adaptation, but I enjoyed it. I had a good time. Um, you know, and, and Ben, you and I were talking just right before we were recording that, you know, talking about watching TV before bed. And if we have, you know, oh, when we're watching boy. a show, yeah, when we're watching shows, do, do, do any of those characters or anything from the show that we're watching incorporate into our dreams? And um, I'd say yes, because I dreamt of uh, Alexander Skarsgård. <laughs> um, it was PG-13, so yeah. don't, don't, don't anybody out there go, you know, it's unfortunately it's PG-13. Nadine was having. Um. <laughs> <laughs> right, now it's, see, fair, it's fair play. It is fair play. It's usually like when you're watching something as you're falling asleep or it's on in the background while you're sleeping. So yeah. I'm really glad I did not watch this episode while I was sleeping because, oh boy, I don't even want to imagine the dreams <laughs> I would be having. I- during during this in the background so yeah well i mean i wish mine had maybe went a little bit farther considering um just be just because but because i did watch this before i went to bed thank you good night that i watched so yep that's sweet that's our show good night yep (laughs) see ya anyway let's jump into our top three because i'm sure we all have some thoughts about this week's episode paik would you like to kick us off with your number three all right, my number three, and I hope I'm not stepping on anything, Rima. Um, no. That's totally fine. Step <laughs> all you yeah. all you like. Because <laughs> I'm just going to go ahead and jump straight to it, and that is Randall Flag. All right, and just some, you know, more specifically, his like demeanor and kind of creepiness in this episode 
mm-hmm. as opposed to what we've seen him before. Because I was saying he's not necessarily that charming in this episode. I mean, he plays up the charm card a little bit with Dana there at the end with the milk and you know, getting her a drink and all this stuff. But milk, but really, yeah. what we see of him in this episode is a much more like scarier and darker side of him. Yes. There's not a lot of charm from Alexander Skarsgård in this episode. And so I thought that was really interesting. You know, the first thing we really see of him in the episode is him just like, and it's almost like Christ pose, like floating himself up and, you know, into the air mm-hmm. as he's being worshipped by all the people below him. And it's that kind of symbolism. And, and you know, thought, I was like, man, this guy is really dark. Like, yes. he kind of is. it's a very anti-Christ, you know, personification and, and symbolism there. And I think that was really cool, the way that they did that. And then, of course, at the same time he's doing that, then you get like this like video projection of him kind of giving his little spiel that everybody there in Vegas has probably heard a billion times, but they still worship it and love it the same. Mm-hmm. And then it has that moment where it kind of glitches and he's staring directly like into the soul of Dana. Oh, yeah. And I do think that she's the only one who could see that or notice it. Like that was him directly kind of messing with her brain. you know, Because you can hear him still talking on while he's... silently staring at her Mm -hmm. and so you know i thought that was really cool but yeah you get just a much darker side of him especially yeah like we mentioned a little bit in a joke but you know with nadine dreaming of him and that little speech he gives to her you know you know and it's that creep vibe he's like you know when i first found you 12 years old you know he's like and you know you belong to me since then and all this and it's just like all right this guy like yeah he could be charming but this is where this episode is where we're seeing the dark side of him and like okay yeah he's not somebody who's gonna be fun to play around with you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. well, i agree I, yeah i Go- mean you're you're seeing him on in on his home turf now too yeah mm-hmm. yeah so that changes things a little bit definitely and so it is interesting it's the same thing you know in the 94 version which so that there's a drinking game for us. Is how many times do we mention 94? Because we haven't read the book. You know, the, <laughs> every time we mention we haven't read the book, take a shot. No. Uh, but, you know, it was similar to that. But I still love that they did that with, like, you know, he knows, okay, he picked up on Dana being a spy easily. He picks up on the judge being a spy pretty easily. But Tom, he just cannot get a, a handle on. He does mm-hmm. not. It, that, that was their plan that worked really well, that nobody would have suspected Tom. And that was completely off of his radar too, to where it's driving him crazy that he can't figure out who is this third spy. Mm-hmm. And so I still love that. That's, that's a big thing in this series. I thought that was really fun. And then, yeah, just the scene kind of after that, if Dana has to offer herself to, to not give up any information to him, but you know, before that she tries to kill him. And I thought that scene was a lot of fun. Just, you know, that moment oh, he's like yeah. clutching his neck and stumbling over things and stuff. And I was just smiling because I knew he's not dead. So I was yeah. like, I knew it. this is a totally. great performance. Like I almost would be like, you know, a slow clap for him. Like, bravo. I, I even <gasps> out loud went acting. like that was <laughs> Which then made that like uh, Stanislavski like quote even more fun where he like got up and he's just like, you know, acting is reacting. Which did I catch the fact that he said that. Konstantin Stanislavski was an old lover of his, which uh-huh. I was like, okay, Bicon, <laughs> Randall Flag, I see you. And no All limits. Right. All no right. limits. He doesn't limit himself <laughs> to the pleasures of flesh. 
he he reminds me um alexander skarsgård so i mean if anybody has seen true blood and enjoyed it as much as what i did in his character eric northman the the scene when he gets stabbed and and plays dead which hopefully it's not too spoilerish does remind me of something that happened in, in true blood. I won't say anything more than that in case someone hasn't watched it, but um, I, I did get quite a giggle because it was for me, a little throwback to to that series and something that occurred in, um, in that show. And uh, I, I did, I did like that a lot. Um, yeah. And also that part too, where, you know, maybe swings <laughs> a little both ways there yeah. as well. Um, I thought other, oh, there, I mean, I, I don't think it's on purpose. I'm, I'm sure it's, you know, specific to, you know, just these characters, but it was, it was a fun play for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, definitely a little bit more of a, you get to see, you know, no one except I don't think Nadine, you know, she, she's talked about like how dangerous he is and she's really scared of him, but we haven't really seen that side of him um, mm-hmm. until this episode. So it was really good to kind of see that come out. I, I, I dug it. Yeah. I don't care. I, I I go for the bad stuff. I love the bad boys. Um, uh, clearly love it more than a bad boy here, but still, um, I, I I dug it and I thought it was great. And and Alexander Skarsgård is really great about this underlying kind of menace to him because he, before he does go all you know crazy eyed on on a uh, uh, Dana there, you know he's has this quiet threatening tone to him you know like he's you know hasn't quite shown who he is yet until she really does resist him um so i i think he plays it really well i but dug the, it but there is still a little mm-hmm. bit of a charm to him as well at the same oh time. hell yeah like, uh, like drinking the milk for example um they did that 94 series too right because I, I think we talked about that no we talked about that because he, he had done did that an earlier he episode, does that in yeah. an earlier episode of this series we talked oh. about him drinking the milk okay um, but I mean, he's drinking the milk again with ice, which I've never drank milk with ice before. But now I'm curious. Um, I do. But <laughs> there's uh, you, Pake. You talked about how fun. Like it's a brutal scene when Dana offs herself with that beer bottle. Like it's yeah. it's a gruesome death that yeah. I, I you know to be in that position to do that to yourself. Like okay, like that's serious shit. But. Like there's the whole him faking the death when she stabs him with the scissors is one thing. But then after she offs herself, there's that part yeah. where he kind of just throws his hands in the air like, oh, God, like now what? Yeah, it's like, well, I'm great. Back, yeah, like, <laughs> back to the drawing board, I guess. Like, yeah, <laughs> got to wait. Got to wait for the, the old hag to come into town and, and right, grill gotta her try to, to try find out. Yeah. <laughs> got to start all over. But yeah. I mean, like, like. After seeing that gruesome death of Dana and then just seeing him throw his hands in the air, like I couldn't help but laugh. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's such like a it's a charm. And I like I I still I loved it. I thought it was great. Mm -hmm. Me too. But I'm trying to limit myself a little bit because I realize a lot of what I say is kind of in one ear, not the other, just because of my love of Alexander Skarsgård. So I'm trying to like, you know hold back just a little bit so hey man you know. i i can tell you right now i <laughs> amber heard can go away Catherine mcnamara is my new love interest <laughs> in the show man i'm telling you she, is she was it. hot oh my she's god cool. I got she to, was hot this episode i got to see her do a panel at a fan fest once but i was so far behind on arrow at the time that i didn't know anything about her character or anything when they were talking about it mm-hmm. but 
but she was still nice to to just kind of watch and listen to her talk. I was like, okay, yeah, I don't know her character on Arrow right now, but I'm glad she's here. She <laughs> is killing it as Julie, and I'm loving it. Yeah, that she's doing a hell of a performance. I don't know her from anything else. I haven't, you know, seen any of her other work, but um, she's doing a damn fine job in this role, in my opinion. And um, I, I think she's playing it really well. I think she's playing this. You know, uh, I can't think of what I want to say, how I want to, you know, like morally bankrupt character. I guess that's yeah. that's where I'm well, going with it. Well, but she talk- does it well. And we talked about it last week and it played through again this week. She's a totally surface character. Totally. There's, there's nothing be- past the surface of this character. This is no. who she is. Like mm-hmm. there's no deeper meaning. She is just a horny, drugged up. Mm-hmm. Well, an opportunist, because she knows, I mean, being being with Lloyd, you know, she she's at the top yeah. and, you know, she can she can get anywhere and do anything. And people listen to her and she has influence. And, you know, so, yeah. And and it plays out so well that like the whole like 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 Colin Lloyd daddy, like you want to talk about a game where you got to do a shot. Like if you did a shot every time she said the word daddy in this episode, we'd be on the floor by now. We would be in an ambulance on the way to a hospital. (laughs) But at the same time, like as annoying as that is, it's purposely grading. Like it, yeah. that's her character. And so mm-hmm. she does it perfectly well. Like yes. I, I'm annoyed at the fact that I keep hearing it, but I can't <laughs> stop watching her. She takes a lot of pride in, in rubbing people the wrong way and sometimes the right way, if that's what she's into <laughs> at the time. But, but no, uh, <laughs> but yeah, but she takes joy in just playing with people <laughs> and having fun. I think I view her as the, like a perfect personification of the mentality of, I may not be here for a long time, but I'm here for a good time. Oh, yes. Yeah, that's her. Well, (laughs) and you know what? I don't think she's, I agree with you, Ben. I don't think she's very deep, but I do think she's smart because I totally think that she is, she is not into Lloyd at all. Oh, no. Like she is riding the coat. She is is riding that, you know, well, that's not a good terminal. That's not good. (laughs) either um it's true though she's she's she there because yeah. of the perks and because yeah. i totally think she is sitting there throwing out flag's name on purpose knowing that it totally derails you know any oh, yeah. sexy time that's getting ready to happen and you know because the the faces that she makes and she's just like oh well i guess we're not going to be able to do that can we go shopping yeah. you know so i'm like oh she's totally like not into him she's just there for you know oh, for all the perks she, that it gets her yeah, more fun having- for her in the moment to to, to like poke at his buttons yeah. versus and like totally and she was yeah. having more fun with dana than she was with lloyd i mean totally yeah, be realistic <laughs> about that and oh, that I, was a hot scene i was having probably i think more fun with that than <laughs> okay. why you do you know. think i watched the episodes yeah. <laughs> um, but no it's and you know what what i love about it too is like i've seen interviews with cat mcnamara from like watching her on arrow and things like that and she is a very conservative like she she she's kind of like a very conservative i don't mean po- like um politics i mean like yeah not politically but just not politically she's just yeah. a very personally conservative person so right. i feel like like playing a part like this i think to me would probably be like a blast oh absolutely be i think would be liberating exactly that's the yeah. word i'm thinking for like thinking of like this is an opportunity to just kind of like just go wild because there's no repercussions. It's all just for, for the sake of a project. Mm-hmm. Like, and she's probably having so much, probably had so much fun 
playing mm-hmm. this character. I would. Yeah, I think I I think she is. And she's doing a great job. I, yeah. I think she's she's I mean, she's not a great character in the show, but she's doing a great job playing the character. Like she's not a good character and she's not someone I, I want to win, but I'm having a lot of fun watching her. Yeah. She's definitely entertaining. Exactly. For me. Yeah. So yeah. Wow. Yeah, she is something. <laughs> I like um, her accent too. Yeah, so do I. I like a lot about her. Um, <laughs> it kind of, you know what though? But this whole conversation about uh, about Julie kind of leads into my number three, mm-hmm. um, and that is, and that is Julie and Lloyd. Um, I I don't Lloyd like we've talked about Julie enough, or well, actually not enough, but we'll cut it off. Um, <laughs> kind of like she did to Lloyd. Um, <laughs> Lloyd, to me, in this episode, he didn't impress me as a right-hand man. No, thank you for making that yeah. point. I I don't like what they're doing really with Lloyd. I'm not impressed. Well, but, it, but you know, in the whole conversation that we just had about Julie, it makes me wonder, maybe Julie is the true right-hand man of Randall Flagg. Hmm. Like, she is, she's obviously using Lloyd She's riding Lloyd's coattails to get the power and to get the perks and everything of it. But in many ways, maybe like she is the true right hand man because she is she does talk to Randall Flagg. Mm-hmm. She is the one that it was leading Dana around when Randall told Lloyd to do it. So maybe in some sense, it is a difference from the story that she is the the man behind the man so like hmm. lloyd is the appointed face to be the right hand man mm-hmm. but right. she's really the one pulling the strings mm-hmm. that which, would make sense which i think makes her character so much better yeah if that's if that's what's happening i like that even more because yeah. i mean it wouldn't surprise me to see her keeping him doped up and placated you know and under her thumb you know with you know, uh, because he he thinks of her as arm candy and, you know, but she's, you know, playing a different game. And uh, I think that would make it a lot more interesting. Because Randall Flagg uh, has made him, made Lloyd the right-hand man, which gives mm-hmm. him power over everybody but Randall Flagg. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But she has a power over him. Yeah, exactly. Sure. She has the power over Lloyd. So that, in my opinion, gives her more power than Lloyd. And But at the same time, Lloyd is supposed to be this character who rules by an iron fist just like randall flag does like flag is the face mm-hmm. lloyd is the is the um the discipline enforcer enforcer, yeah, the enforcer. That's, that's, that's right yes he is not an enforcer in this series mm-hmm. he looks like a pimp he does <laughs> i mean i i couldn't hardly take him seriously i'm like i don't feel like i can take him seriously as like you said someone like flag you know who he would appoint as his right hand guy to kind of rule as the face of, cause Randall flag is not out there with the people. He's not out there. Like he's, you know, this godlike image that is, is being, you know, displayed uh, on a big TV screen and, mm. you know, sends out a message every now and again. And it's really, you know, Lloyd, that's the, the face and actually doing all of these things and carrying out all these things that Randall flag wants to happen. But it, he does not look like anyone I would take seriously at all, you know, um, and actually carry out all of these things that need to happen to keep the society in the city running. So it's like, he's very obnoxious and just like out of place, which I have in my notes. Cause it's like, I can't tell if it's like 
kind of poor overacting by is it Nate Wolf? Mm-hmm. Because so, there's, yeah. there's like the two brothers, Alex and Nate, and I can't. But like, I don't know. But yeah, I think it's Nate. But yeah, it's like, but it's like, is it poor like overacting like kind of by him? Or is like, or is Lloyd really supposed to be this annoying and like fish out of water? Where like he was just pulled up and given this role, and now he's overcompensating by doing this whole oh shit, girl, you know I'm you know and just acting it all mm-hmm. up and acting like that. And I was like, it does fit that character in the situation he finds himself in. So I'll give the benefit of the doubt that maybe he's purposely portraying it that way yeah at least that's maybe. what i hope <laughs> but yeah i just i i wasn't in this episode i know he's supposed to be a flags right hand man but i just i wasn't buying it at all yeah i was having a hard time with it too i was like you know i don't know i wouldn't i wouldn't take him seriously yeah um at all and it would be surprising to know that that's who randall flag would actually want to be his right hand guy just how he's playing it right now Yes, but I like I like the idea of Julie being the the actual right hand man and mm-hmm. Lloyd just yeah. playing the part. I like that. It would make it a lot more interesting for yeah. sure. Makes and like I said, makes me love her character even more. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll have to see. Yeah, but what about um, you? What's your number three? Well, my number three is New Vegas. Um, I'm because it was just one of my favorite parts of this episode. Um, and I, I don't know, this could be a little bit wrong. I don't know. And I don't know what it says about me, but I have to admit after close to a year of being in this freaking pandemic and being on lockdown, oh no. um, that <laughs> I already the, know where this is going <laughs> with the exception to the slave death matches. So yeah. I don't, I don't like that. That would not be okay with me and is not okay. But the rest of it, it looks pretty good to me. I'm totally into this wild bacchanalian party um, that is happening in New Vegas. And it's very appealing to me. I, I'm totally fine with what I'm seeing. Like as, as Dane is getting her introduction into, you know, she, like she's she's off what at the dam and she's doing work and she's doing labor work and, um, you know, keeping the place running with the electricity and stuff. And now she gets to actually see the other side of things. I was trying to look at it through her eyes and I'm going, okay, why has she got such a, why, such a ooh face? Cause I'm like, okay, I'm down with that. Except for, like I said, the whole pool full of dead bodies and blood splash. I don't like that. That's bad. That's not good. A- AKA Rima wants to go to hedonism. I I'm, you know what? I, I totally embrace, <laughs> em- embrace it. I don't care. I'm, I'm down for it. Um, but I, I, speaking for the show, um, I am curious. What, I, I don't know that I'm clear exactly what flag wants from society here in new Vegas His what is his evil master plan? Cause a, a bunch of people who are, you know, screwing in the middle of the lobby and up in these elevators and they're partying every day. I mean, what's really going on here? Is this, I mean, this doesn't seem scary to me. It doesn't seem, you know, I, I am so glad you are bringing this up because I wholeheartedly agree for us to have waited five episodes to see Vegas or Mm -hmm. new Vegas as it is for what we got and what we got to see as much as I still enjoyed this episode. I'm a little disappointed. Yeah. I expected more. I expected to see more of new Vegas. I didn't expect to see just the inner parts of a hotel 
where everybody's having sex. Like right. I wanted to see more of what's happening in Vegas. This hotel could have been anywhere. Mm -hmm. it didn't have to be in Vegas. I wanted to see the workers out on the strip. I wanted to see, you know, like the slave camps that they mentioned. I wanted mm -hmm. to see so much more of New Vegas that like with us having to wait for halfway through the series to get it. Yeah, you know, I did expect more, I'm, which we I, might still get more. Maybe the next episode, because it could be a way of them being like, and here's Vegas and showing you kind of that more, you know, aside from them, the hedonistic side cases yeah. and the, the fighting pit. But like, but you get more of like the flashier, you know, sexy side of it. And yeah. then they could flip it on its head and next week be like, oh, and by the way, there's also all of this other horrible shit going on. Well, and that was my other part of my point, too, was that because of how they're they're telling the story uh, that, you know, we've only seen this part. So I'm wondering, like you said, Pake, if we just haven't seen everything yet, because I'm willing to bet. And this is what I'm banking on, is that there is a like a darker underbelly here happening that the main citizens are not aware of, like all the people that you see are sitting here watching like the pole dancers and, you know, they're watching the fights and, um, I'm wondering if, you know, what we've seen so far, the drugs, the sex, isn't really just a distraction to what flag is really planning, yeah. you know, like there, there's something really happening here that like, all this is just a distraction. You guys, you know, don't look at the man behind the curtain, right? You know, this mm -hmm. is all just to keep everybody, you know, this is what they think is really happening, but there's really like a darker underworld to Vegas of what's really happening. Cause there's still a lot we haven't seen yet. Um, I mean, I could be totally wrong, but I'm hoping for that anyway, because, yeah. you know, there were some differences of what, what Vegas was in the book and in the 94 version compared to what we see here. So I'm wondering if, you know, this was just our first introduction to Vegas and maybe it's going to show us a, a, a darker side. Because again, Hopefully. I'm thinking, you know, other than, again, other than the slave death matches, um, what the hell's wrong with what's going on out there? Well, just leave them alone and let them do their thing. This is what Vegas is pretty much today. You know, I mean, it's so leave them alone. Let them have their hedonistic lifestyle, whatever. Um, so I yeah, don't know. I mean, but you're, absolutely, you're right. Everything that we saw happening in that scene is actually happening in Vegas. It's just behind closed doors. Exactly. Yeah. It's, not it's not out, out in, in the open. It's not out in the open, with the exception of the, the the death matches, of course. I'm pretty sure that's not happening, but everything else, I'm like, that's well. pretty much Vegas, you know? Um, and so <laughs> what? I love Vegas, by the way. I love, you know, Vegas today. I love this Vegas. I'm down. I've never um, been to Vegas, so I, I couldn't even... I haven't either. That's something I'd like to do at some point after... <laughs> the pandemic but <laughs> oh it's great i love it so much and i'm all about it um but this 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 is good with me too um but yeah i just i i was a little bit disappointed but i'm thinking well if this show's telling me anything um i think there's probably more to see and at least that's what i'm hoping because I'm, I'm like well i don't really get the threat there's supposed to be a little bit more of a threat here um because otherwise why would flag be so dangerous i mean this doesn't seem very dangerous so far so mm -hmm. let's, let's, let's hope we get some of that anyway. Yeah. So yeah. that's, that's my number three. Remus off to Vegas. Fake. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> what is your number two? My number two is Harold. Oh boy. And kind of his little arc through this episode as well. Um, you know, we, we pick up where we left off last week 
<clears throat> and uh, him and Nadine have decided, and it's probably, I don't know, because it seems like it could have been either of their plan. It doesn't make it abundantly clear. I think, you know, maybe it was Harold's because he's kind of saying like, oh, yeah, because they believe everything that I told them. But I know, you know, Nadine's definitely egging him on in this way. But they they set up Teddy's death to be made look, you know, made, made it look like a suicide where he just couldn't take this you know, post-apocalyptic kind of post-virus world anymore. Mm-hmm. And, you know, out of everybody that they had to try to fake that with, that was a tough one because that guy was just nothing but smiles. Yeah. And so, which, I mean, isn't to say, you know, mental illness, whatever. I'm not going to go down that road. But but you get that whole, like, you know, Stu's kind of like, well, yeah, you never know what people are going through. He's taking that kind of road. And he's like, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes this kind of thing happens. But then Larry, on the other hand, is not buying it. And he's definitely not as easy to, you know, go along with it. But yeah, uh, they just kind of set it up that way. And then Harold kind of has to do this two-faced character the rest of the episode, which he's been good at doing. He's been practicing putting on that Tom Cruise face and personality and, you know, fake (laughs) compliments and going along, which, Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe it's because we know the character and know he's going through that you see right through it. But some of it seems so blatantly obvious, like whenever he's, oh, yeah, I'm so happy for you. It's like you you see the bullshit seeping through his teeth every time he talks to somebody. Yeah. Well, I think Franny is starting to kind of see some of that, too. Yeah. Yeah. And and so I was a little like confused the first time watching it being like, you know, when she's like, well, come to dinner. And I'm like, you should be spacing yourself from this dude because he just gets creepier and creepier. But yes. she has a plan for that. Of course, there's a reason she wants Larry to go over and check out search his house but that dinner Stu seemed to be more into it and just like the little like scenes that they were showing but mm-hmm. it was weird you know these stories they didn't tell show a whole lot of the like, stories he was telling but like everything he was saying Franny was very like concerned was, like uh I just I don't know about this and then he goes on and tells that story about the ice cream parlor at the amusement park and I was like okay dude's fucking unhinged yes he is like <laughs> He just out of the blue and you know, he blames it. Oh, the wine's getting to me. But like who tells a story at a party with the whole purpose being to, Ooh, I caught you in a lie and blah, I'm better yeah. than you. And I got you and you Catch don't actually care for me. And like, embarrass her. Yeah. Yeah. And it just, it's weird. And then he, from that is like, well, you know, I'm sorry. I've had a lot of wine. So let me go wash up. And then his whole plan there is he's, you know, creeping around their house and looking at stuff. But then we see he's setting up. Well, and and I th- I think it's it's a lot of Harold was testing her. I mean, you know, when he says like, you know, do you remember that? And she says, yeah, I I must have felt guilty that we you know that we took them. I had Franny been honest and just said no, honestly, I don't remember that. I think it would have changed everything. Mm-hmm. But because he caught her in the yeah. lie, that was when he realized like, okay, she's got to go too. Yeah. Okay. So it could be that, but I think he was planning on like planting the camera in their bedroom and stuff the whole time. Oh, that was and happening either way. Cause he's already against it. Oh, yeah. Which I was like, creeper. that's just so creepy, but of course he would do that. Of course. We've established he's a peeper. I mean, that was yeah. in the first episode. He was peeking at her through the fence post um, in the first mm-hmm. episode. So we've established he's a creepy peeper. Yeah. And I, I was like, is he trying to keep tabs on Stu and Franny? Like what's going on in like the leadership group? Or like if they're talking about him, but I don't really think it's going that deep necessarily. I think it is just him being creepy and being hung up on Fran. And then also just like, I don't know. I, don't, I know he doesn't trust people anymore. 
Like mm-hmm. he knows people are, and he knows people are starting to trust him less. And so it's pushing him to this point where he's going to have to make a decision to do something pretty soon. Well, and, you know, it wasn't like he was putting a camera in in like their living room to try to spy on them or any meetings that they might be having, like the council or committee, if they have a a meeting or something over there and he's wanting to keep tabs on things. He put it like legit right in front of their bed, you know, so, you know, he's not doing it just to like check up on them and be like, well, I want to know what they're talking about or be privy to what they're talking about in these council meetings. He's he's got it all up in their bedroom. So he's just being a freaking perv. Mm-hmm. at this point as yes, he does yeah harold's Just, getting his own vegas yeah <laughs> his own new vegas creating yeah. his own he's sitting there watching the the footage because i was like and then he has the cameras in his own house which i'm not gonna say that's as creepy because i mean hey personal like security video stuff is a pretty normal thing yeah so people do that but you know so he's going through that and he's watching he's like okay so now he knows that larry was in the house which mm-hmm. of course i mean he had picked up that somebody was there i think you know as fast as he went home and went straight upstairs looking as i think he kind of suspected that franny might have been up to something yeah and i love that he noticed like the chess piece was just turned the wrong way which had to be a nod to misery and the penguin totally it had to be always <laughs> always faces this way yeah yeah so. But I thought that was, was like because, of course, Harold would be that kind of guy to know exactly which direction each piece was turned. And Totally. Like, yeah. I, I will say one of the things I did like about that scene, too, is the mirroring of the reconnaissance between Harold and Larry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was edited really well that it made it look like they were in the same exact spots, just in the opposite homes mm-hmm. you know when when larry's looking around the bathroom harold's in the bathroom when larry's in the bedroom harold's in the bedroom yes so it was cool the way that was done i thought was was really cool yeah agreed um, and i don't know if anybody else picked up on this too but when they found teddy i think that was actually really believable for Stu and not larry because if you remember correctly Stu's witnessed that before that's how General Starkey committed suicide. Yeah. He mm-hmm. shot himself in the was chest. Was it in the chest? Yes. It was. So, yeah. oh, so okay. it's a lot easier for Stu to have believed. Now, now Harold doesn't know that. Mm-hmm. But when but for Stu to, for for Stu to see something like that, it's actually a lot more believable to Stu because Stu witnessed it firsthand. He did. I almost forgot That's about true. that. That's true. I forgot I forgot it was in the chest. Yeah. yeah. Starkey well, pulled the gun on his chest and pulled the trigger. Mm-hmm. Well, and then they they did mention, um, oh gosh, I forgot the character's name, but I know it's Nicholas Lee is the character, but the um, he was in charge of the body crew and he was the EMT for the 26 years, yeah. had mentioned, he's like, well, he's like, you know, he said that he's seen this quite often. He said mostly by women, but he has, you know, it happens more often than what you think. So, you know, they're trying to give a little validity to that. But yeah, you're right. Stu has seen it firsthand. So he's not as surprised and he's a little bit more easy to believe like, huh? Yeah, I mean, it does happen. Yeah. I mean, and he even says it too. Like, I'm honestly surprised we're not seeing more of this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and which, and then you look at look at Larry, and you're like, well, he he also had someone he was with who did commit suicide that didn't yeah, feel like yeah. they were cut out to continue in this world. Um, you know, the way that it was with uh, with Rita. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think the timing is a little bad on it. In that, like, when when Teddy was killed. 
to make it look like a suicide was legitimately the same night they got power when everybody was hopeful. Mm -hmm. So it is a little curious and suspicious then to look at it in that sense and say like, hey, like things are looking up for us. Why would he do this now? No kidding. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, it was it's a legit question. You know, I mean, he was and that's why Larry when Larry was like, um, you know, why now? You know, yeah. Um, and especially after we just had this guy who just stumbled into town, who had been crucified, saying that the devil's coming for us, and now all of a sudden we've got one of our night watchmen dead. You yeah. know, and I think uh, Harold's kind of overplaying his hand a little bit and making himself look more suspicious. Yeah, just, he's just not the smartest guy because he even like the fact that he brings up, oh yeah, Teddy was also wanting to put this whole project together where we were going to do like movie nights and show stuff. So I'll take over that responsibility now. Cause that'll help. It was like, you're giving them more reason to think that Teddy was like happy and had like goals and a future planned. And, and so there's all this. And then like, you're just stepping exactly. in and then he makes this remark to Stu over dinner where he's like, sorry, you know, I'm not going to be on the walkie talkie all night, but we've got to, you know, night watch people and shifts. We got to move stuff around. He's like, Oh yeah, I bet that's harder now that we're down a guy. And he almost says it like as a joke. It's like, wait a minute. Wasn't that like your best friend? Like, why are you joking about it? I know. Yeah. I, just, I, know. I think Harold's very, he like, needs to just, he's not smart in those I things. Know. Like he, he shows his hand a little too much. and just doesn't think before he says a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree with that too. So. Yep. I like but, that. Yeah. Good. Number two, Ben, what's your number two? Dana is a horrible spy. <laughs> yes uh, that Speaking is my number of over, uh, overplaying your hand yes yeah. oh my god like there are times literally i i wanted to yell at the screen like stop asking about flag stop talking mm-hmm. about flag in every five words so so when are we going to meet the man upstairs and like like stop like you are yeah. a horrible horrible spy like yeah, it's I, like <laughs> I don't know I don't know if Randall Flagg knew about you because he can see everything or because you are just a horrible spy. Definitely. It's a combination of the both. Like don't get me wrong, I think it was incredibly brave for her to do what she did. But to constantly ask about Randall Flagg and where he is and what he does, like you are showing your hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's like over eagerness. I have it in my notes that said this over eagerness, or at least perceived over eagerness, is gonna be her downfall. Yeah, absolutely. And it, and it absolutely was. Mm-hmm. You know, she she accomplished her goal of meeting Randall Flag, but the ultimate goal was to get back to Boulder. Yeah. yeah, which she could have done had she turned over Tom, but she didn't do it. So you know, yeah. bravo to her. I'm glad she didn't. Um, you know, she she took the noble way out in saving him and you know sacrifice herself but still like it it might not have ever come to that yeah like i don't she could have gathered information so much more stealthily in what she was doing like if she she would have just been patient and waited it out she could have gotten everything she needed Mm-hmm. but th- you're right like the over eagerness is pake as you mentioned uh, like that was it like it was yeah the whole time i'm watching this i'm like god you are a horrible spy horrible yeah and that... it just it really irked me like i said there were points where i wanted to yell at my screen <laughs> like stop asking yeah. so many damn questions and I, not... I, <laughs> and I think julie i think julie was on to her 
Oh, yeah. Well before. Oh, yeah. I think she was. Yeah. I mean, credit to what you said earlier about, you know, maybe he already knew because he sees as he does mention the the judge. I can't think of her name right now. I didn't write it down. But the -hmm. older lady. He does mention that he also knows that she's one and she hasn't even showed up in Vegas. Yeah, she's yet. not right. even in Vegas hiding yet. on the outside. So he's very aware of what's going on. So I do think, like you mentioned, he probably would have, he probably knew about and picked up on Dana way before she was even doing or saying anything, but she didn't do herself any favors. Uh, well, he said, I've been watching you since you left Boulder. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, he didn't he even have to have her there in, in Vegas for her to, for or for him to like pick up on her um, mm-hmm. and know that you know, where, where she was coming from. So, yeah. But I mean, like, uh, and at the same time I had another point and I can't remember what it was. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Oh, I remember what it was now. Like she sees Tom down in the gladiator pit, you know, Mm -hmm. gathering the bodies. Mm -hmm. She knows that Tom is the other spy. Like it it was such a risk to go and see him. Like mm-hmm. he was, he was completely safe. Nobody knew he was there. So yeah. for you to make the excuse, oh, I lost my bracelet. Who's going to buy that? I mean, and the fact that, that the fact that Julie and Lloyd went down there to find her and they see her talking to Tom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right after Julie had said, like, I'm pretty sure that's the guy I ran into earlier. Mm-hmm. Like right then and there. Two and two. Ju- right Explore. then and there, Julie knew <laughs> Julie knew she was a fraud. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But at the same time, how it, it makes me wonder how they couldn't pick up that Tom was too. Because yeah, if you the, see the two Dana of them together, really put him in a bad place there. She could have given like, him not away. Not even Flag knows who he is, and she could have given him away right there. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I mean, yeah, I mean, we we still have Judge Harris sitting outside of Vegas. So we don't know what's going to happen with that yet. So one spy down, one already in, one to go. Um, we know from the 94 version what happens to Judge Harris eventually, but we haven't yeah. gotten to that point yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see. But uh, yeah, my number two is just, God, Dana was just like, she's a great character. And I don't know how she is in the books. I'm looking forward to reading that to see if she's a different character. But in this series... Like she's just a horrible spy. <laughs> yeah, she that that was not played well. I agree. I had all kinds of problems with that. I'm just like, what are you doing? Uh, you know, not not that I can give spy lessons or anything like that, but I yeah. just because I'm like, I don't, I'm not even sure and or clear why she needed to really even see flag. I mean, I thought their goal was to gather intel. What are yeah. they doing out there? What you yeah. know? Are they are they you know building an army? Are they going to come after us? Do they have weapons or you know what's going on? Why did she even need to see flag? Could she not do her snooping? You know, from where she was and just you know kind of talking you know, in a more subtle way to the people that she was working with. It seemed like she was in a really good position to kind of know. I mean, she's down there working in the infrastructure, you know, at the dam. I mean, those are people that, you know, maybe they don't know anything. I don't know. Maybe they're just told to just do their work. But I mean, that's a good place to start. Why keep pushing to go talk to Randall Flagg? Well, mix and mixing in with the workers is a great way to stay blended in. I mean, exactly. You know, don't call attention to yourself. It's like (laughs) if an American spy during, you know, during the World War went over to Germany and said after a day there, I've been here for a day. Can I go meet Hitler? Like it's doesn't (laughs) work that way. Right. It's just, it doesn't work. Like you have they to buy the your time. Not yes. be 
not become the person who's famous about any other, uh, you know, in the upper people by the person who really wants to meet flag. Yeah. That yeah. is. Or now, to I at think least... she had a selfish intention because she had those scissors on her pretty early. So maybe she had decided to give herself this other mission to kill flag for whatever reason, which that's probably what it was. She yeah. Probably, <laughs> she probably thought like, if I can just take him out, this will all be over. Yeah. And that was not her job. Mm -mm. Right. And I mean, maybe I could also see how she, you know, would think that getting in with Lloyd and Julie and being, you know, a part of this threesome um, would also benefit her to understand and learn. I mean, if you're up there with the number two guy, then, yeah, you're going to get a lot of information, but you got to play it better. You got to stop being like you said, Peg, stop being over eager yeah. and trying to just work your way and be content with that and learn because you don't even have to ask any questions. If you're just around and you play it cool, then you're probably going to, to gain some information just by being around them without having to, you know, push, push for the information. It's yeah. probably going to come to you. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. Bit of a, bit of a bummer the way that they, they played all that out, but I did feel for her. I know we didn't get a lot of in, at least in the series, you know, a lot of um, character, uh, development with Dana. We didn't really get to know her that well. Um, but I, I felt bad. I felt bad for her when she offed herself. Um, it, it's a terrible way to go. I mean, probably better than what she, she would have had, had she left it up to flag, you know, it's better than being tortured or crucified or ending yeah. up in the slave pits and stuff. But, um, damn, I don't know. Thinking a beer bottle to the neck doesn't sound very pleasant. No, not at all. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I did feel for her, um, and sad to see her go. But yeah, but that was my that was my number two. Good number two. Well, we were definitely on the same page with that one. <laughs> um, well, my number two uh, was the dinner party. So you know, we like like you were talking a little bit about it there, Pake, and you touched on it. You know, we got to see you know the Harold that we met in the pilot. You know, he's sniveling and manipulative rat um, who really thinks highly of himself, and he has just got that grudge against Stu and Franny just because Franny does not want to be with him. Um, yeah the actor's doing a really great job at giving this unnerving performance when he, you know, his, he pitches his voice higher and he plasters that fake smile on his face when he's in his nice guy mode. Um, I think he's doing a really, really great job with that. Um, but what was disturbing about the dinner party is how he is able to sow this unease and what should have been a nice normal di dinner party, you know, um, in any other time, I guess, before the super flu happened, you know, they, you know, he's bringing a bottle of wine, they're talking about stories and they've got a nice fire. Um, but it's, when you sit back and look at it, it's kind of creepy because when you think of why they're there or how they're there and the people that lived in that house before, you know, it's just kind of weird. It's like, this is someone else's stuff. You know, that's their table, their house, their pictures, their dinner plates that you're eating off of is just, you know, kind of a weird setting. And then when Harold goes into his story about the ice cream um, and, and with Franny and his sister, Amy, you know, he's totally, it's, it's a, it's a trick. And, you know, he says it's never, it never happened. And, you know, that Amy and Franny never included him. His family didn't care about him. And 
it's really frightening to see how he manipulates the mood. And he's really dangerous that I think Franny, I know Franny is suspicious of him, but I don't think she really gets how dangerous he really is at all. And, um, and, and it's really scary how entitled he feels to having Franny. And it's, it's to me, that's really scary. That's one of the scariest parts of the show for me. Well, I mean, he feels, he's mentioned it. I mean, it's, he's even mentioned it. He's the one that rescued Franny. Mm -hmm. He's the one that saved her life. Yeah. Because of that and that entitlement that you mentioned, he feels that Franny should be with him. Yeah. It doesn't matter who she meets along the way. It doesn't matter who the father of the child is. He's the one that saved her. Mm -hmm. She belongs. And I don't even want to say she belongs with him. I think in Harold's mind, she belongs to him. I think I think he thinks that and he sees Stu as stealing Franny from Mm -hmm. him. So they both need to go. Yeah. Right now, that's that's where he's at. I think it's the whole. If I can't have her, no one yeah. can. Exactly. Totally. totally, and that's exactly what it's coming down to. Yep, absolutely. So yeah, just a really great performance, um, but really just this underlying, you know, danger that no one seems to pick up on. That I think is just, I think more scary than just about anything else going on mm-hmm. um, in the show. So that's my number two. Um, gosh, that brings us to our number one peak. What's your yeah. number one? My number one, we've talked a lot about, so I just kind of go over my notes on it, but I just have it as like the characters and setup of New Vegas. <laughs> we can keep uh, talking about New Vegas as yeah, well. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so just kind of going through what I have, it was like, you know, of course, Julie and Lloyd are together because they're both really obnoxious. So they suit each other in that way, even though they do. We mentioned you can tell though, like Julie is not really into him. It's a power play, and totally that's what she does. And then let's see what else. Oh yeah, again they mention you know because we talked like the slate, like the fighting pits. But even when Tom Collin is there and trying to figure out like where they're going to send him and what job to give him, there's that little moment with that lady there, and then the other like officer that I thought was really interesting and like important to mention is she mentions like you know we just send him to the slave cages. Like Mm -hmm. that's just a totally normal thing. But then the officer, whoever she's talking to, does say, no, Flag made it very specific that anybody who enters New Vegas voluntarily is made a citizen no matter what. Mm -hmm. They're not. Which then I was like, well, that means that they're like going out and abducting people to turn into slaves. And that's real fucked up. (laughs) Either that or is it people like, I mean, if it's a this. And we'll probably maybe talk about it more. I don't know if anybody has notes on it or anything like that, but the differences from the 94 version Vegas to what we're seeing here is people would be crucified if they did drugs in the 94 series. Like that was against like their law. They actually had strict rules and regulations Uh and here they can kind of just do anything that they want. It's, It's free reign. Yeah, you can do whatever you want. But I'm curious, though, if there is something like maybe we just haven't gotten there yet because this is our first episode where we really got to see Vegas. Is there are there any type of rules or regulations in this new Vegas? And if you violate any of those, then do you get thrown into the slave pits? Because I'm thinking if it was the old Vegas, if you violate like if you got caught doing drugs um, and that was one of the rules that you broke, would you get thrown into the slave you know, so maybe it's not always that they're going out and abducting people. Could it be some of their own people that are violating 
some, but I don't know, but I'm like, I don't know what they could be violating. Cause it seems like you can do whatever the hell you want in, in yeah. this new Vegas. It looks so. pretty lawless. So it's, yeah. it's hard to- or, or, you know, as I mentioned before, everything that we saw from new Vegas happened in this one hotel. Maybe this one hotel is kind of like, if you are lucky enough to get into this place, it's in here that the rules Maybe. don't apply anymore. Maybe like you have the freedom to do when you're out there, you have to abide by rules. Right. But if you're lucky enough to get in here or be accepted in here, then the rules no longer it's apply for all. And you have the freedom to be do you. what you want. Yeah. I wouldn't be in that hotel. Yeah. Cause it's, it's, <laughs> there are still like a lot of questions. Yeah. Cause you're like, what these like slave cages and fighting pits, like, how do those people wind up in that situation? Cause again, like I consider exactly. like, are they going out and just finding random people and bringing right, them back yeah. and be like, Oh, you're going to be a slave and fight for us and do this. Or, or like you said, maybe that is a punishment for breaking some kind of rules and laws within New Vegas. I don't know, but that that fighting pit is so interesting. Just like it's in there in the middle of that ground floor. Yeah, where I was like, I guess like bloody the, fights the to the pool. death with chainsaws fits right in with strippers, slots, and champagne. Like <sighs> it's part of the atmosphere. But I don't I don't think those fighting pits are a punishment. I think they're legit like people who are fighting for reward. Like if you win that fight, then you get to because move they, up. They even say or, they even maybe. say yeah. at one point, like the winner of last night's fight Surprise. got a new oh yeah like, got a got a new pleasure woman yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I think they offer up rewards for people. So it could to just fight be for. random people who want to do it. Also, yeah, could, Ugh, yeah. that's so dark. So yeah. I, that I don't know. It's just <laughs> there's a lot of intrigue to this new Vegas, but yeah. there's a lot that we don't know. For sure. I mean, and then I have two other little notes that okay. I said, is Lloyd wearing the Michael Jackson thriller suit? Because that's what it looked like he was rocking. <laughs> like maybe that was in a, like a museum or something somewhere. Where is that? And he was just like, that's mine now. And he had a near Michael Jackson little squeal, you know, <laughs> this <laughs> oh, is <God>. heaven. <laughs> I was like, how long is he going to hold out this sour note? Um, <laughs> man. And then I guess the person who is like, you know, commentating the the fighting pit and announcing stuff that would be rat woman it's rat woman it is rat it was rat yes. man in the 94 series but now they've kind of done a gender yep. swap on that too rat woman which i looked it into it it's played by she was played by fiona doris it's, it's 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 steven it's brad doris daughter okay the voice the of first Chucky. not oh yeah okay oh. nice yeah but the first time i saw her i totally thought it was cara delavine I did too. Yeah. And I was like, was wait a minute. Like, That's why I had to look it up. I was like, is she just like a random, like surprise cast member? And then I was like, no, it's, it's somebody different. It's Fiona Dorif. But I was like, man, it looked a lot like Delavine right at the first time. Yeah. <laughs> but I totally get that. She does. Look, she does favor her dad. I love yep. Brad Dorif. He's, he's great. Yeah. It's I, I, I looked it up too. Cause I was curious about her because in some of the stills that we saw before the series even launched, they, a lot of the stills, showed her picture but it, and it was while they were talking about julie so i was always under the impression this is how julie's going to dress when she gets to vegas ah uh. um and then it turned out that's not the case but in the same episode we also find out that that's they don't name her as rat woman but she's listed in the credits as rat woman yeah <clears throat> and when i looked up fiona duraf i'm like duraf i'm like i wonder and i looked it up i'm like yeah that's brad duraf's daughter that's awesome she's father she's following well i mean and she's been in a couple chucky movies too with her dad yeah. so that's awesome it, it's fun to see her kind of follow in her father's footsteps which is which is cool mm-hmm. uh-huh. But yeah, that's really all I had that we haven't talked about already for the 
the, the, the system of New Vegas and what we've seen of it so far. I cool. love cool it. Can't wait to see more. Um, Rima, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to switch things up and let you go first since mine are predictions <laughs> for my number one. <laughs> Okay. Okay. If you're yeah. all right with that. Should, I'm totally fine with that. Okay. I think because yeah, we, we should save your predictions for last. Okay. Um, because that'll be the icing. All right. Um, so my number one uh is Nadine. Um, so her we we've talked a lot about her, um, but it just keeps just like getting worse, her story. And and I mean that in like how much of like a horror story it kind of is. And you know her scenes are kind of crowded out a little bit because we've got the dinner party. We've got these scenes from Vegas. So I feel like some of her stuff kind of gets lost a little bit, but you know, flag visits Nadine again in this, like this dreamscape, you know, that he sometimes uh, occupies and he is reminding her again of this hold that he has on her. And he talks of marking her as a child when she's small and alone, she has no friends, no family. And it's clear that he's targeted her because of these reasons and grooming her into believing that he's the only one that's been there for her and telling her, you know, you belong to me, only me. And again, where he is being, I think flag, I mean, is being very terrifying, you know, in a way that he doesn't, maybe he doesn't quite do so much in the Vegas scenes um, because it's his intent, at least for Nadine. And we've talked about with Vegas and society, what is his intent? But with Nadine, it's pretty clear. He wants to own her. He wants her as his queen, you know, by his side. Um, And it's pretty damn scary. And we've, talked a little bit about that like with Harold too and how he kind of does that with Franny if, like Ben you pointed out you know Harold saved Franny's life so he feels that he has owed her and thinks that Stu has stolen her and you know that's kind of a little bit of what Flag kind of sees you know to Nadine like I was there for you when no one else was you know um, and so he feels that she kind of owes him that Um, And he uses a lot more like direct language though, even in that mm -hmm. regard where he says like, I'm not giving you to anybody else. I, you belong to me. You're mine. I own you. Like he's he's pretty straightforward with it. But is he though, is is he though, like, this is where I see it a little differently when he says like, I'm not giving you to ever anyone else. He kind of is. He's basically giving her to Harold. Um, I mean, with the exception of just having sex and losing a virginity, she's basically doing everything else. I mean, when they're in that schoolroom, you can see Harold doing up his belt like they yeah. very obviously did shit in that room. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, she pleasured. Harold I bet I bet room. they're not doing very much considering how quickly Harold. <laughs> yeah loses himself you know well, it he, probably doesn't take very much that i don't think nadine's having to work too hard is what i'm she, saying but she's still, seconds of your time but, and you still, but she's still doing it though yeah I mean, that's the thing i she I, is i think what i what i see of nadine in this episode is where we talked last week about Harold was a, because of teddy's death harold was the one that was a little conflicted and nadine had a purpose I think we're kind of seeing those roles a little reversed in this episode in that Harold is the one who now has a purpose mm-hmm. and Nadine is the one who's conflicted because we see her go to Larry yep. and say like, I want you to fuck me. Like that is his hold on her. That is mm-hmm. flag's hold on her. So if Larry disconnects that, he doesn't have that hold anymore because I think Nadine is starting to think that flag is treating her no more than an offering. 
he she's not really meant to be his queen she's nothing more than an offering for harold at least that's the way i see it the way it's being portrayed to me i, I don't know because i'm still seeing it also as harold even though like she she's kind of being given to harold but also like using him because i think flag the whole plan is without getting into spoilers and stuff of like what they're planning to do but we saw the explosives so yeah. obviously there's a plan there with it and so i think it's like you need somebody who's a little deranged and unhinged and willing to do this to people that he quote unquote loved or was friends with whatever at one point and flag picking up on that knows harold's the guy that she's gonna have to use and manipulate but anyway. that's what i mean he needed to use nadine to drive harold to that mm -hmm. point i, I don't I think agree. Harold would have had the confidence to do that without nadine yeah. no i don't think so but i don't see it as i think he's using nadine to push harold to get him to do what he wants but i don't think he's giving nadine yeah. to harold because i could he's easily using see nadine. like okay so use harold to do what you want say that is was is they end up bombing and exploding someplace whatever and then being like i could see flag then turning right around to nadine and being okay now kill harold because he's done we don't need him anymore and now you're mine you can come to me we're done with you don't have to waste seconds of your time with him anymore okay i mean i can i can get that i mean maybe like she is still meant to be his queen in the end mm -hmm. but i can kind of see how she's conflicted about it because yeah. oh i think she is while conflicted she feels she's meant to be purely for him for for randall flag Randall Flagg is having her whore herself out to Harold yeah. to for his bidding. Totally. I don't think she enjoys being used by him. No. Because, you know, she's like, if I'm supposed to be yours, then why are you making why me do am these I doing things this? With, yeah. with Harold? Yeah. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, I mean, I, I that that's totally a valid point. And I mean, something I would be, you know, no, nobody wants that. Um, so, yeah, I think she is starting to have some of those doubts again where she's not as purposeful as what she was in the previous episode and that's why she goes you know um to larry and you know wants wants him to have sex with her because then that breaks that breaks any hold the flag has over her then it's mm -hmm. over but yeah. then she you know she doesn't because you know and i i kind of felt bad for her there at the end when larry's like you know he's in a hurry he went he's got to go do some spying you know over at harold's house and he's he's kind of taken aback by how blunt she is with her request because it's like that's not you what's going on and you know and then also he's worried about her being regretful of it because like why now you know we had all this opportunity before when they were on the road together and so what's changed now doesn't want her to be full of regret you know maybe this is what you want today maybe tomorrow morning you wake up and this isn't what you want mm -hmm. and then she just you know kind of crawls back into herself it was kind of a sad thing to kind of see um, when she shifted and she was kind of like, okay, I'm fine. You know? And then she just kind of turns around and walks back out into the rain. Um, I kind of felt for her in that moment. Cause I'm like, who's going to believe her if she's like, because if she tries to explain herself, yeah. you know? So the, the rain, which by the way, when she's out looking for Joe never touches her. <laughs> her hair looks to look pretty darn good. I, I, I don't know. I don't know if anybody else noticed that, but when she's I did. outside and the camera's looking up at her, there is no rain hitting her. Yeah, it was. Know. It was weird. Yeah, I was like, I feel like it's supposed to be raining outside, but she doesn't look like she's getting wet. It's the power <laughs> of Randall Flag. Randall yeah. Flag keeps rain her, never keeps touches. Her rain is a blessing, and that can't touch it. <laughs> <laughs> it's water repellent. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. With, Nadine, I think I don't know where at the end of this episode where we sit on kind of where she is because we saw her kind of go back and forth because while watching it, 
I'm thinking, you know, Mother Abigail's speech about choice. Mm, choice. Yep. Was really important where she said, you know, you made the choice to save this kid. And then you made the choice to protect him and you made the choice to keep him comfortable and like bring him in like a son. Yep. You can keep making choices and you know, Mother Abigail's got that connection. She knows that Flag has his claws in Nadine. I feel like she knows all about Nadine, yeah. And so I think that is her way of saying, like, kind of slipping it under to, to Nadine, being like, and you can make the choice to break things with Flag and join this side. And she's like, it's not too late. And mm-hmm. at first, I think Nadine's too gone. And when I first watched it, I was like, she may be too far gone and not be taking this advice at all. But then when she shows up at Larry's, I was like, okay, Maybe it actually had an impact on her. And so like, this is good. Now she's trying to do what she can to get away. But I think Larry's response and reaction to her, even though he was, in my opinion, completely right. And I think Larry's doing the really like the good thing mm-hmm. watching out for her and what her mindset is and what, you know, because he's thinking more about them, their relationship, you know, for Joe and for, you know them as friends and what the future holds more than just like one night of sex he's like i think it's a very honorable thing and a great answer for him to give her but that may have pushed her back the other way where now she that any change that could have happened maybe she's just you know reverted back to okay well it's not gonna work then then fuck all these people anyway yeah because well and and just as a side note i I really like that character development with Larry because we, we saw a totally different Larry when we were first introduced to him, you know, where he was very, you know, didn't care about the girl he was sleeping with. And, you know, well, of course she was snotting all over the place. So I, I, I kind of feel like his, his like, Ugh, you know, was a little bit valid, but at the same time he was a bit of an asshole, you know, as he's leaving that morning. Um, so it, it was quite a, I, I think a, a development for his character to see how he, you know, does care for her and her feelings. And, you know, they're essentially in a way kind of co-parenting Joe a little bit, you know, he's kind of, you know, they were on the road together and he's kind of taken that on just a little bit and trying to kind of be a mentor or a bit of a father figure to him. And he's, you know, in it, so he's right in, in what he said, but at the same time, I don't think he understands, not that I'm saying he should have done it, but didn't understand, you know, where she was going with, with her yeah. requests. And mm-hmm. it was kind of sad to see that rejection, um, you know, and, and how that affected her and how she now feels like she doesn't have a choice. And, you know, she's not comfortable. Like, she's like, you're, you're like the only person I trust, you know, she's just going to go sleep with some random guy just to rid herself of her virginity, you know, so she's not under, you know, under flag anymore. So I don't know, but that, that's where I'm at with that. So interested to see what happens next. And and I do like the fact that, you know, when you compare the 94 version to this version and you look at Nadine from 94 and, and this version, mm-hmm. I, I like the fact that they're, they're adding a little bit more complexity to Nadine's character. Yeah. Because when, you know, Laura San Giacomo played the part, she was like, she was just pure crazy. Like we knew, yeah. She was crazy when we met her. We knew she was going to be crazy the whole time. We knew she was crazy enough to pull off whatever she wanted to pull off. And this time, like, they're making Nadine a little more complicated. Like, she's going through these yeah. conflicted feelings. Yeah. You know, is she going to, is there a possible redemption for Nadine? Like, uh, what is there to it? And I just, I like the fact that they're doing that with these characters in this in this version. I do too. And I don't think that she thinks that she's such a good person either. I think that she feels like she's a bad person because she's going along with flag and feeling going along with the things it's like she, she wants to do them because of how he's groomed her over the years. He's been around since she was like 12 years old and 
you know, and she's alone. She doesn't have friends or family or support system or anything like that. So that's all that she knows. Um, So, but I I think she also knows that there's something wrong with that, but she doesn't know how to free herself from it. And I don't think that she sees herself as a good person. And, you know, then when mother Abigail's like, well, you have a choice and she probably doesn't feel like she has a choice. And then when she does try to exert that, um, then she's right back to where she was. Like, I just don't have a choice. You know, I have no say in the matter. I have no control over anything that happens in my life. This is all, you know, um, someone else's, you know, pulling those strings. So I don't know. I like where they're going with it too. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, Ben, let's get to your number one. And, and you've been teasing us. And so now we're ready. We're ready for it. Now I hope it lives up to it. Um, <laughs> so I have two. Um, one of them is a little bit more to the story. Uh, the other one, I think if it happens, it, it's more of a, bold prediction but i feel like if it happens it de- it's definitely a departure from both the miniseries and the book uh so the first one is while we're uh, we're actually on the topic of talking about nadine and that conversation with mother abigail there is that scene where mother abigail talks about the piano and how you know she leaves it open so that people can see what's inside now that obviously is a metaphor for people being open so you can see what's truly inside a person. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we're all, I think we have also now seen the location of where the bomb will be hidden. I thought the same thing when she was looking into the top of that piano. Yes. So uh, when yeah. you see Nadine looking down into that piano, I think that's where the bomb is going to go. Hmm. Um, I like it. When, when Nick finds the bomb, that's where he's going to find it. He's going to find it buried in the piano. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought the same thing when she lingered on that, that shot for a long time. Okay. But yeah. Now, my other prediction, which again is a little bolder, involves a character we have yet to meet. I, and I'm... Like, I know we're waiting for it, too. I, I know like, who you're talking about. about. Come, <laughs> come on. Like, give us Trash Can Man already. Yeah. Like, I know. I really thought we'd get him this episode. So did I. But... So to anybody who's seen the 94 miniseries or read the book, we know Trash Can Man's involvement to the end game of this story. Mm-hmm. He is the one that brings the bomb into Vegas and literally blows Vegas off the map with this bomb. I think it's going to play out a little differently. I don't think that's how Vegas is going out this time. Uh, I, think Veg- I think Vegas is getting washed away. Uh, because we were shown the Hoover Dam in the beginning Uh of this episode. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't think they would have shown us that they had workers at Hoover Dam if it wasn't important to this story. Um, Because when we saw Dana as a worker, she could have been anywhere. She -hmm. could have been somewhere else on the strip. She could have been somewhere outside of Vegas, but she was at the Hoover Dam. Yeah, I think that dam is getting blown up. And I think Vegas is getting washed away. That's a pretty nice. good prediction. I, I don't think we're getting, I don't think we're blowing Vegas up. I think it's getting, I, it's like, it's basically a baptism of Vegas. Mm-hmm. It is wiping away the sins of everything. Happening. Wash away the sins. Yep. Oh, damn. It is literal. It is a literal. It will be a literal interpretation of washing <laughs> away the sins of Vegas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
And I, I think that's how I think that might be how it plays out. I think trash can man is bringing a bomb to the dam and the dam is going away. That would be cool. I like it. Which, and yeah, I, I'm, I'm and with I, you. Rima's like, we need him to show up soon. Cause we yes. can't be this far into the season. And then like, <gasps> no, trash the, can like man. the series is like, you gotta have him come in and, actually be built up to some degree before yeah yeah or why would we care well, about i mean but he he is not a heavily involved character he literally no. is the character no. that likes to blow shit up i mean that's yeah. who he is so we don't even need to spend a lot of time with the character we just need to be introduced to him. some sometime yeah. though yeah we gotta um, get there but I mean, when I thought about that, when I thought about the dam prediction, I even looked it up to see like, okay, if Hoover Dam did go like break, mm -hmm. um, would it reach Vegas? And it would indeed reach Vegas. Mm -hmm. I, I okay. looked into it. If Hoover Dam ever broke, Vegas would be in a lot of trouble. Mm -hmm. So I, I think there's some legitimacy to that. And I, I'm making the prediction right now. That is how this story is ending. Nice. Is Hoover Dam will break and Vegas will be washed away. I like it. And if it happens, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, you made it sound like it's like a huge character departure or something where I was wondering where you're going. But I mean, yeah, it's a big change, but. No, a yeah, huge, a huge departure, a huge departure would be Stu Redman is the one planting the bomb and blowing it up. Right. Or Nadine turning her back on. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. On flag and, and blowing something yeah. up again. Nadine will discover the bomb and save everyone. That's not <laughs> happening. That's not happening. Um, so yeah, I like so it. That was that was my uh, that was my prediction. Yeah, I like it. Very bold, but I like it, and I think it would make sense. Yeah, I it's like it the same happen. thing happens, just a little bit of a different way. Yep. <laughs> cool. Excuse me. Okay. Well, I like it. What a, what a good way to end the the top three. So with that being said, um, Pig, do you have any notes? All right. Let me see. A um, few little extra notes. Let's see what I haven't touched on already. Uh, I think it's very interesting. And again, based off of the 94 series and the way that Mother Abigail is portrayed to us, it was a little different and weird to see Mother Abigail like lashing out and showing anger towards somebody because she never did that. Yeah, that and was to see different. Her, like reaming out Nick for sending spies. Yeah, was something that I, I didn't expect to see. However, I did think that the uh, her comparison to the story in the Bible of the you know Israelites sending spies and that's the reason they got sent to the desert for forty years. <laughs> like, you know, that's that's a cool comparison. I did enjoy because then that's what she was like. Well, now what have you wrought on us, Nick, for doing this? Yeah. And as weird as it was to see her like lashing out and being angry with somebody, I think it fit this story really well. I did enjoy that version of it. Mm -hmm. And I think it fit, I mean, with Whoopi Goldberg, you know, mm -hmm. that kind of fits her as well. And I could see it, that would be her take to it, you know, a little bit. Yeah. And then my only other note was like a little thing that I thought was kind of funny. Could be like a nitpick, but I'm sure it's actually not that big of a deal, but I was like, for any whispering on the walkie, so Stu and Harold don't hear her, yet Larry's on the other end like, yep, totally, I got you, I'm gonna do that, <laughs> all right, there's the plan. I was like, I'm sure there's like a volume control on a walkie-talkie that it probably wasn't actually that loud coming through, but like, it was just like a weird thing, he's like, okay, so remember the plan, and he's like, yep, I'm going to Harold's house right now, hope he doesn't know. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
to anybody who's within earshot, this is what I'm doing right now. Yep. <laughs> I'm on my way. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe you talked me into doing this, this crazy thing I'm about to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh. Oh, too funny. <clears throat> yeah, that's really all the only notes that I had that we didn't touch on. So, yeah. <laughs> I like it. Um, ben, Seasons do you have any don't notes? fear the reaper. <laughs> you know, the wind or the sun or the rain. We finally got Don't Fear the Reaper. Yeah. I was so excited that we finally got it. It's the one thing when we talked about the 94 version I, I needed to happen in this miniseries. Yes. And we finally got it. Finally got it. Um, I was so excited uh, that we finally got that. Um, Same. I have to mention Glenn Bateman simply because he wasn't in this episode and I'd feel mistaken if we didn't. I mean, Greg Kinnear. Yeah. Greg yep, Kinnear. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah uh, you guys, just from listening, since I haven't been on every episode, I'm really disappointed in you guys the fact that you are not giving Greg Kinnear the amount <laughs> of support and mentioning that he deserves. Right. You guys, he's so underserved on this podcast and I just can't, I don't get it. Well, we will make a point to mention him some more. Right. <laughs> That's why I had to bring him up. Like, no Glenn Bateman this episode. Had to bring him up. Um, the only other note I have is I think we might be, I think our, our assessment of this show might be pretty spot on. We talked about it, I think, like, in the last two episodes, you know, we made mention that we were getting this whole nonlinear format of the show. And then last week we talked about how, we're we're going to hit Vegas. We're going to get introduced to New Vegas. And then probably after that, we're going linear for the rest of this series. Mm-hmm. Like it's going to tell the story throughout. We didn't get one flashback. Through this You're episode. right. You're Not right. One. This was a totaler, totally linear storytelling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's what we're getting from here on out. Yeah. Because like, I can't. There's really no more backstory we need, really. I really can't think of any. I can't think of any backstory that we that we need to have. I mean, we we still need the introduction of Trash Can Man, but Trash Can Man doesn't have to be a flashback. He can right. simply be just this guy who's randomly driving around out there blowing shit up, and Randall Flag decides to like find him and make him part of the plan. That mm-hmm. can be present day. That doesn't have to yeah. be a flashback. So I really don't know of any backstory we need to the point where i i i think we're done with nonlinear. i think mm-hmm. we were pretty spot on in that prediction and i think from here on out it's straight storytelling i agree yeah so but i mean other than that that's that's about it that's all my notes for this week. awesome <clears throat> how about you the only note the only notes that i have that we haven't really talked about um i just was going to go over a couple of differences uh, from the book um, from this episode. Um, A couple of them that I have is Mother Abigail's disappearance. Uh, So in this episode, you know, Mother Abigail disappeared um, at the end of the episode, whereas, and I feel like at least what I'm reading is that her disappearance is an important element of Stephen King's novel. And then how it happens is different in the timing wise. So in the series uh, that we saw this week, Mother Abigail leaves after the spies are sent to Vegas. And of course we know that she's not happy about that. Um, in the book, Mother Abigail leaves before mm-hmm. the spies are even selected. So there was a difference there. I think she even returns back to Boulder before the spies are sent in the book. 
Mm, maybe. Because I think that's how it happens in the miniseries, too. I think she... I can't remember when she... The time oh, no, no. she comes I'm, back. I'm thinking of the... I'm thinking of the four. Mm, okay. Never mind. The, I think the yeah, spies... Yeah, I, I think the spies were sent by the time Mother Abigail returns. Yeah, right. That makes sense. Um, Dana Jurgen's uh, mission to New Vegas. So a little bit of a, a shift from the page to the screen here as well. Uh, she's obviously more developed in the book. Um, which does make her fate a little bit more meaningful. Uh, but I mean, I, I got something from that. I felt, you know, I felt the loss of Dana in this episode, um, even though we didn't get all that backstory and stuff. Um, so in the book, Dana is sleeping with Lloyd and using him as a way to gather information about Vegas and flag. It's implied that she's been sleeping with him for a bit of time, allowing her to gather a lot of information. Um, even though she's got a personal backup plan to kill flag, if the opportunity arises. And then of course um, she does end up being brought before flag. Who's aware she's a spy. She kills herself before she can real reveal the identity of the third person in the episode. Uh, we saw that Dana's working on the infrastructure in Vegas. Her questions about Flag get her noticed. They take her to see Flag. She's delivered to him. She does not reveal the identity. And then she does kill herself in the episode. Um, and in this episode, she, does a, uh, she uses a broken beer bottle rather than a shard of broken window. Mm-hmm. So a little bit different there. Julie Lowry um, is also a, a big change in the book. Julie isn't nearly as flashy or well-connected. Um, She is assigned to manual labor at the Indian Springs Airfield, a task she hates. She sees and recognizes Tom Cullen, and she reports him to Lloyd as a possible spy. Um, The the episode, however, um, changes, and she is significantly, um, or her character significantly has changed, presenting her as Lloyd's girlfriend of sorts, while also making it clear how she's manipulating the situation for her own comfort and extravagance. Um, It shows her as more sinister and morally bankrupt than she is in the books with her position of power. I'm sure that will come to play a little bit more as we, as we continue in the series, Uh, Nadine and Larry's relationship is also something that's different in the books. In the books, Nadine and Larry are very much attracted to one another and they are in a sense co-parenting Joe. And uh, she has uh, rejected Larry's advances. Thanks to flag. This leads Larry to be with a woman from their party named Lucy Swan, who we have not seen. Uh, here in the series. So um, in the book, he's with Lucy, um, even though he still has feelings for Nadine. And in the book, Nadine makes a final advance on Larry, begging him to take her virginity and be with her in what she believes will save her from flag. Larry turns her down in the book because he chooses Lucy instead. Um, and then, of course, in this episode, we see that Nadine still pleads with Larry, but he turns her down, but for a different reason. He's got some snooping to do. Uh, and then New Vegas, um, a obviously big difference than the fans of the book would consider um, debatable flags. Vegas is certainly presented as being counter to everything mother Abigail is trying to create. Um, The book places an emphasis less on a decadent city of sin and more on a tightly controlled, highly efficient city where everyone has a job, much of it in some sort of public works. Everything is strictly managed, um, including personal expression, who is caring for the children of the community. Illicit drugs are specifically noted to be forbidden and use of them is punishable by crucifixion. And this episode shows Vegas that is pretty much Sin City on steroids. Um, and we even see Julie do a line of cocaine in the room that she shares with Lloyd. So definitely a different departure. But as I mentioned earlier, I'm I'm thinking we're going to see a different side. And like you said, Ben, maybe maybe the, the part of Vegas that we're seeing, like this hotel, that's just a small piece mm-hmm. of Vegas. Maybe that's, you know, what you work your way up to. 
you know, to, to be able to I, earn your way there or something, you know, that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking that hotel is more of an, as a reward. Yeah. yeah. Um, being there is a reward. I mean, or because you I, get to spend a weekend there. You did, you did good. You get a weekend pass to the, the yeah. hotel of, of, of pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, cause bringing, bringing Hoover Dam up again, remember that's where we saw Dana. So yeah, there are workers on that end of things on the flag side of things who aren't even in Vegas. Yeah, she she had been there and she didn't even know that this side of Vegas even existed. So there has to be a different side of Vegas that we're not seeing. And that's what I'm thinking that we're that we're going to see that it's a little bit more controlled, um, yeah. you know, and, and this is the part that's, you know, I think it's more of a distraction. Maybe you don't get to see, you know, everything that's happening. Like, you know, we got all this stuff happening, but you're not going to know about it because you're too distracted by all this other stuff going on. So yeah. I don't know. I think there's more to see of Vegas than than what we saw in this episode. And who knows if we're going to see it? We might, we might not. I mean, we might not. Yep. If we so. keep seeing what we did see, I'm okay with that though, too. <laughs> I'm sure you are. Yes, I'm pleased. <laughs> I'm okay. Hey, more man, Randall I, Flag drinking um, ice milk and more Julie <laughs> leading Lloyd on. I don't care how she does it. It's perfectly and fine maybe with me. More elevator sex? I don't know. <laughs> I say it's all good. So. <clears throat> All right. Well, if we don't have any more notes and I don't have any news this week, so I think that will take us into uh, my favorite part of the podcast, and that is listener feedback. Um, so, Pete, you want to take that first one? All right. This one comes from Sheldon Scott, who says, when I saw the episode title, I was pumped. I was anticipating a Vegas-centric episode with the introduction of the Trash Can Man. All the Vegas scenes were amazing, but then we got more Harold. They should have called this episode Fear and Loathing of Harold Lauder. LOL. Can he get any weirder? Overall, I still enjoyed it and was happy to get Don't Fear the Reaper at the end. Uh, we're, this is good. We're, we're going to see how many of these voicemails include Don't Fear the Reaper. <laughs> or how many <laughs> yep. of these this feedback include Don't yeah. Fear the Reaper. Yep. This will be the drinking game of the episode. This will be the drinking game. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, this one comes from Maria Lawson. Yay, we got the Reaper. There's a shot. Even if it was just at the end, Harold is so unsettling. His eyes, his facial expressions, the way he called Franny out about that ice cream. Creepy. Uh, New Vegas. Wow, that was a lot of background actors having sex. It certainly lived up to the hedonism and excess I was expecting. Flag was perfect as usual. Can we not? Uh, can he not see Tom because of Tom's purity of soul? Or maybe his disability is making him invisible to flag. I'm glad all the storylines are really starting to converge. And I think things will only accelerate from here on out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I don't know. I, I thought there, there had to be something about Tom that flag isn't able to read him as well. I don't know. It mm -hmm. is, but yeah, it's, I don't know. Could be his purity or um, maybe something to do with his disability, but um, we'll see. Uh, next one is from Jeff Allen. He says, okay, still loving the series and I'm not going anywhere. That said, Dana's spying was pretty god-awful in this episode. Every word out of her lips made it completely obvious that she was a spy. And then again, Mother Abigail's complete lack of leadership. Her statement that the Israelites spying on the Canaanites is what kept them in the desert for 40 years was one of the worst lines I've ever heard. What kept them in the desert was uh, that they said it would have been better to go back to Egypt where they were slaves because at least they had plenty of food there instead of trusting in the Lord. It would have been the equivalent of the five talking about leaving Boulder instead of trusting Mother A. But sending spies, that was following the Lord's command. The spying led directly to the capture of the Holy Land. 
poor, poor writing there. Hmm. Jeff coming in with the the Bible lessons here. <laughs> I'm a little rusty, to be honest. Yeah. Been a while. I'm, I'm not even, I'm not just rusty. I'm empty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> this one comes from Sally Lynch Mock. Says, I really do not care for the Mother Abigail storyline. Also, Lloyd Henry seems weak for Randall Flagg's second in charge. Music was great in this episode. There's another music mention. <laughs> well, there was some, um, I mean, Reaper was great, but we also got some Kiss. So I was, yes, I was pretty did. down with that. I was, <laughs> yes, I was pleased. Did. One of we my favorites from Kiss. The intro music to the Netflix show Dark. Oh, yeah? I haven't, I haven't seen Dark. So. Yeah, I'm not familiar with that either. I watched the first season. It's really good, but it's a lot of time travel and you know, paradoxes and stuff that are, mm-hmm. it's real. It's one of those. And it's all in like a different language. Which you got to watch with subtitles. Oh, it's German, isn't it? German or Danish yep. or something. Yeah. I think German. I, and so it's like, it's really hard to follow. So I've only watched the first season, but yeah, like the intro, like theme music for every episode was playing during the scene when Larry first goes into Harold's house. <laughs> and I don't know if somebody else has written in about that or not, but yeah, since you're talking music, I was like, oh yeah, that was also a thing. Interesting. I think, I think the only because we got some Elvis Presley in there, too, obviously, which goes right along with Vegas. Um, I think the only thing we were missing and I know exactly where it would have fit in uh, is uh, a little Frank Sinatra, either Uh, that's life or my way. And it mm would have started playing right as Dana's body hit the floor. Oh, God. Yeah, (laughs) it's dark, but it would have fit. It would have fit. Uh, got it. Yeah, yeah, Sinatra would have been great for Vegas. They and yeah, they we did get some King, um, which I thought. I just, I don't know. I was just having a moment when, <laughs> during the series, because Elvis is playing in the background, one of my favorite Elvis songs ever, with Alexander Skarsgård in the favorite scene. I couldn't think much more. It took me. I had to. I'm glad I watched it twice because um, that my first watch, I wasn't thinking. Um, I wasn't using my brain. Let's just say that. Yeah. Uh, all right. Our next piece of feedback comes from Lindsay Schlicht. Uh, not sure I'm loving the Vegas scenes much. The Las Vegas community seemed just so over the top, a cheesy Sodom and Gomorrah, an unsustainable society that would collapse on itself quickly. I found myself just wanting to get back to the Colorado group, and I'm glad we didn't spend a lot of time in Vegas. Pretty Bomb Dana is already out, still not understanding why Flag seemed to know everything, everything except about Tom. I found the conversation between Nadine and Mother Abigail very interesting. Am I reading too much into it, or do you think Mother Abigail might have an idea that Nadine isn't exactly who she says she is? I definitely feel like I definitely feel like there was more going on in that conversation than what is than what it seemed. Decent episode, but I can't help but wonder where we are going. Seems like five episodes now of laying the groundwork, not a lot of time left to really get the story moving. I do think Mother Abigail knows exactly who Nadine is. Agreed. Or at least she doesn't think that she is who she says she is anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And I know, yeah, we are five episodes in, but we spent a lot of time they're trying to develop some of the characters too, you know. Yeah. Um, so we hopefully care about them a little bit as the story continues and things um, really start to get pretty heavy. So I don't know. Sorry you didn't like the Vegas scenes, Lindsay. Um, next one is from uh, Maureen Favo. 
She says, really hated this episode. Lots of excess for no reason. Number one, Lloyd Henry is supposed to be a serious leader, getting things done for Flag's agenda. Sorry to throw in book, but people got crucified for doing drugs in Vegas. It had secret police and a military dictatorship feel. Whole book was Vegas preparing to attack Boulder. Don't get this change unless it was to film the excesses. Number two, agree with you that we have officially surpassed the Herald quota. People have to wonder if story is about him. Number three, female characters in the book are leaders, strong survivors. They switched several male characters to female, but not have them be powerful leaders. It's kind of offensive. I agree. Uh, the judge in book was a big, wise mentor and influence on Larry, as was Lucy, who was part of the committee work. Ralph made everything operational, especially communications. Ray came across as a babysitter. They did okay with Dana, except her last scene in the book with Flag was powerful and really damaged. Flag showed his vulnerability, um, started his people to doubt if he was all powerful, and they had the actress to pull that scene off. What a wasted opportunity. Number four, the stand and Stephen King could be forgiven for patriarchy of the book because 1970s. But if you update the story and how you tell it for current times, it should involve more than changing sex and ethnicity of character. Number five, really scared of what they will do with Trash Can Man with so little real estate and no mention. Are we sure limited series? Any chance there is a second season? No. Pretty sure there's not. Um, number six, they changed the title of the episode to Fear and Loathing in New Vegas. That's right. We had first said that it was, um, they had it listed as Suspicious Minds, mm-hmm. which I thought still fit um, this episode because there's a lot of suspicion, um, you know, going around in this episode. And of course, being the title of, um, you know, a song from The King and being Vegas related was appropriate. But then, yeah, then they changed it, um, which I still think is fitting. Yeah. But um, so, yeah, um, great I, feedback. I, I kind of disagree with the whole Dana um, thing with Flag. I mean, you know, um, Maureen mentions that Flag, you know, the scene with Dana um, really damaged Flag, showing his vulnerability and started his people to doubt if he was all powerful. I, I don't know if I believe that because nobody saw that happen. Right. Nobody, nobody saw that happen other than Flag and Dana. So mm-hmm. I don't see how that would get his people believing that he wasn't as all powerful as he made himself out to be. Right. So, I mean, that's my only disagreement with that statement is I just don't know how that would, how that would come across that he's he's not as strong because nobody saw it happen. Right. Well, are you basing that off of the the 94 series or the book? Cause I don't know what it looks like in the book, but yeah, in the 94, I think it was the same, but I'm not sure about the book. Yeah. I don't know about the book, but I remember from the 94 series. Yeah. Okay. And now that was great feedback. And now Pete gets the long email. I do. <laughs> yeah. That's all right. I got one to follow it afterwards. That's all right. <laughs> we got a couple of emails, a few of those. And this first one comes from Lara. It says, Guess what? I got a fever, and the only prescription is more cowbell. <laughs> Thank you, fever. Blue Oyster Cult, for the best cameo of the series. Yay. <laughs> Yay. <Yes. laughs> Take a shot. Oh. Take a shot. <laughs> yeah. As someone who visits family often in Vegas, my distaste for Sin City is now solidly cemented. (laughs) Apart from that, this was a pretty action-packed episode, breaking away from the time-hopping formula and away from Boulder and plopping us into Neon Orgy Thunderdome, New Vegas? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so I get that the acolytes of evil are flocking to New Vegas, but the residents of Boulder are not all 100% angels. They are nuanced and human in their virtues and their vices. Here in New Vegas, it just seems like a cartoon cast of evil villains. Even Lloyd, who when we first met him seemed like a conflicted and layered antagonist, has just become a coke-snorting, sniveling henchman to flag. 
which brings me to my biggest gripe about this episode, and that's the way some characters are being depicted. Like our main protagonist, Stu Redman, who, while being no Gary Sinise, is still well represented by James Marston, is coming off as a bit of a naive Pollyanna with regards to Harold. Also, it hurt my heart to see my favorite character, Nick, berated by Mother Abigail for the deception of the entire committee, which happened differently in the book, where the committee made the decision to send out spies after Mother Abigail disappeared, and they didn't have her guidance. Mm. And most egregiously, we apparently have no Lucy Swan. She's one of the catalysts for not only Larry becoming a better person, but also his biggest reason for turning Nadine away. Without her, his rejection of Nadine seemed contrived and unearned. In fact, we never get to see this initial attraction of Larry and Nadine. And to anyone new to the story, her proposal would have seemed to come out of nowhere. We also see very little of Larry's reformation from selfish rock star who abandons his one-night stand and Rita in New York to the selfless leader he's become who would turn away Nadine's aggressive advances. I mean, I know he had a mission, but he didn't even give her a rain check. Despite my misgivings, I still enjoyed the episode and the advancement of the plot forward. I just hope we're going to get more of Flag's evil and menace. I felt some of it in this episode, but honestly, Harold's increasingly spiraling darkness and Joker smile at the end of the episode gave me more chills than the Dark Man did this entire episode. Interested to hear your takes, Rima and Ben. Cheers, Lara. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of I'm almost getting a Cameron Monaghan could have played Harold. Uh, yeah. Uh, little vibe too <laughs> when you see him smile because he does have that Joker grimace. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that Cameron Monaghan had in Gotham, so it's it it is very similar. Yeah. So. Uh, all right, one more email. Uh, hey guys, so I haven't written in yet, but I but I've enjoyed the show so far. It took me about an episode and a half to get used to the storytelling style and the changes from the book and the ninety four miniseries, and then I just appreciated it for what it was. For the most part, they've stayed true to the characters and story, but I've got some issues with this episode. The bolder scenes seemed to move the story along. Franny and Larry are suspicious of Harold, and now he knows. Mother Abigail has left to do her soul searching, and Nadine tries to get out of her binding with Flag. Problem is, this show hasn't done enough, in my opinion, to make these moments impactful. We've hardly seen Mother Abigail. We don't know what made her doubt herself and have to go off in the first place. Nadine coming to Larry should have been a huge moment because these characters had a lot of had a lot of time spent together and because Nadine really wanted to be good and stay in the free zone. But they've not done much in this show to tell us any of this. I know because I've read the book and seen the other movie, but it isn't clear here. Finally, the Vegas scenes wasted a lot of time without giving us much. Yes, Dana had her scene, and she's just as awesome here as she was in the book, 94 movie. But the whole point of Vegas is that the people there are normal people, not so different from Boulder, and they are scared to death. There is no partying, people. There is no partying. People are crucified on telephone poles for doing drugs. At first, I thought that wouldn't be a big change, but knowing what the... Uh, what the end is supposed to be, I think it changes everything. Hey, at least we did get Don't Fear the Reaper. Thanks, and Jenny. Shot. Do a shot. <laughs> shot. <laughs> oh, that's some really great feedback. Yeah. From everybody. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. you know, I'm I'm loving it. And, and there's a lot of points in all in all this feedback that I do agree with. There, I do agree with a lot of that too. And like I said, I think I think we would also probably have some different perspectives um, had we read the book first. And I'm sure that we'll love the book when we read it. So I don't want to say, well, if we were fans of the book, because I'm sure that we will be fans of the book once we read it. And maybe our perspectives would have been a little bit different. I am just trying to enjoy it for what it is, you know, something a little bit different and how they try to do something a little bit different. 
at least from the 94 version is all the reference that I have. Um, so I don't know, but I do, I do agree a lot with, um, with a lot of what people are saying for sure. Um, you know, and I, I talk about Vegas and stuff and of course, you know, I'm, I'm kidding about a lot of it. Some not, I'm not kidding about some. I was going to say, I don't, stuff. I don't think there's a lot that you're kidding there's, about. When you're there's a little, that. there's a little, um, <laughs> you know, but it's all in good fun. Just, you know, trying to have some fun here, but, um, you know, I am, cause I did mention that I am hopeful that we're going to see more of it, that we're going to see, you know, those citizens that are, um, dark and normal. Cause there were, I did see some normal people in the crowd as they're walking Dana through, you know, um, getting ready to go watch the fights. You know, there's one dude just standing back, you know, he looks, he's, you know, just looks like a regular dude in a t-shirt and wearing a jacket. I saw that You know, guy. he's just, yeah, know he's just exactly checking, the, checking out the dancers. He looks like a, just a regular guy. How did he get there? He wasn't, you know, wearing a, you know, leather and a, you know, um, a gag and a ball gag in his mouth or something, you know? And so, I mean, he's just sitting back and enjoying the, like he looks uh, like he's ready. Ride. He looks like he's ready to go to a baseball game. I yeah. know <laughs> he looked totally out of place, but yeah. I'm like, well, there, there are regular people there. And, um, so I don't know, I'm kind of hoping we are seeing, we will get to see a little bit of the flip side that we'll get to see a little bit of that underlying danger and those, some of those scared people, you know, at, um, at Vegas that, um, that we haven't seen yet. So mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll see. That was great feedback guys. And we also had some voicemails this week as well. This one was a nice surprise. Um, this one comes from Archmaester Rennie, whom, um, I haven't heard from in quite some time. So this was a joy to see in my inbox. Um, some folks, if you had ever listened to, um, house podcasting's coverage of game of Thrones, um, Archmaester Rennie was a frequent contributor and I believe a co-host, um, for one of the episodes as well. I think she so, was, yeah. Yeah, so I always enjoy her voicemails. I think she has a lovely voice. I just me I can't wait to too. Doesn't she just have just I was so just, excited when you told me she left a voicemail for this week. I know. I just I love hearing her. She's just got such an intriguing um uh hypnotic voice. So this I, I can't wait. So let's let's see what she has to say. Greetings, citizens of the Boulder Free Zone. This is Archmaester Rennie. Rima, you may remember me from when House Podcastica was covering Game of Thrones. I wanted to tell you and Ben that I'm really enjoying your coverage of The Stand. I first read the book back in the 20th century, and I've seen the first miniseries, and my main interest in this new version was to see the new coda that King has written, but your enthusiasm is really boosting my enjoyment of this version of it. I know you'll be brimming with enthusiasm for some of the music used in episode five, but the one that gave me a real thrill was the piece that was used when Larry goes into Harold's house. That's a piece that was also used in Dark, the German Netflix show, which is the best TV series ever made. One last note, you talked about the line, wounds like something you'd learn about in summer school, in Sunday school from episode four. I didn't think that line came from the novel and I double checked, I did a search in the ebook and it does not. King did not write that circumlocution. He wrote crucified. Thanks again for this podcast. Oh, that was so great. What a nice surprise. And I and so Paik, you got your confirmation about dark. Yes, somebody did. Really yeah, that. that was a confirmation. Yeah, um, That's nice. Hey, just Validated. another reason for me to go back and rewatch the episode yet again. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I need to watch that series. We had a lot of folks wanting us to cover that here on Strange Indeed. And I want to go back and watch. Yeah, like seasons. I think there's three seasons now. I've got. I'm gonna have to rewatch the first season to get back into it because. 
it is very complex and there's a lot to follow. It's one of those shows like mm-hmm. I know like going online, like while I was watching season one and like talking to people who are watching it, people were literally like making like graphs and things that we could share back and forth to be like, oh, so this person connected to this person through this. It almost looks like that like serial killer wall with the red string everywhere. Where you're just like, yes. it's all connected everywhere. So it, it's, it's such oh a crazy my. show, but it was at least the first season that I watched. I really loved it. I have not heard anyone say anything bad about that series. So I feel like I'm going to have to take some time eventually to get in just, and just watch it. Um, thank you, Archmaster Rennie. Such a pleasure to hear from you. And thank you um, for listening. Um, yeah. That's, that's awesome to know that and, you're out there. And I think on that, the, um, the Sunday school line that we talked about last week, I think I had mentioned that it sounded like something that King would have put in the novel. Right. Um, I don't think I, I, Maybe I'm wrong. I don't think I ever said it. I, it came from the novel. It sounded like more like something he something would have he, written. He might write. Yeah. He but might write. Yeah. And, and I, I think I also said like if it were anybody else, he would have just said like it looks like he'd been crucified. <laughs> and then Rennie actually just said that's actually what he <laughs> said. Actually, what book. he said. Yeah. <laughs> why not use that in the series? Like why make it? Yeah. Sound I that, know that way? why. Yeah, I uh, use what King just says already. Yeah, exactly. Um, but thank yep. you, Rennie, for confirming that, too. Yeah, that was great. Um, we also have a voicemail uh, from our good friend, Greg. Hey, Rima Ben, this is Greg, uh, about episode five of The Stand. So I'll be honest, like, it's not that I didn't like the performances and I didn't like the, like, the story and and the telling. It's that... I just didn't really care for any of the characters in this episode. I mean, yeah, there were, you know, performances by, you know, like I thought that Franny was being, you know, was, I, I understand the, the reasoning and uh, have Larry go into, like, even the good people. That's what I mean. Like, the everybody was doing relatively despicable things this episode, and it was, it's just hard to enjoy when everybody is just kind of morally corrupt at that particular point. Again, I don't necessarily disagree with the choices, but it's just hard to, to, to like, uh, things like that. You know, Dana, like, okay. So Tom, Tom was like the, the one, uh, he was the, the one like bright spot in, in the episode. And I'm really starting to enjoy his performance, even though, like it's kind of the same one note thing, but I mean that that character that's what that's what Tom Cullen is. Anyway, uh, looking forward to hearing you guys talk about it. Talk to you later. Bye. Thanks, Craig. Um, not happy with the performance. Not even Julie. My God. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That's just be calling in with the new one. Later. <laughs> 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 you know, I mean, I get it. Um, we've talked a little bit too that or at least I have, I'll speak for myself, sorry, um, that we are lacking a little bit of character development from a few characters. I I feel like, you know, there are a few that maybe I don't care as deep about, but, you know, we just met Dana and I I felt her loss. I did feel that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I'm feeling for Nadine, shockingly. Um, so, I mean, I don't know. I feel like they've they've helped get me there a little bit. I feel like we're still missing some things but I feel like we're getting at least what we need for the story. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, um, but I, I, I get I get where people don't feel that. I, I do understand yeah. it, so I think that's valid. What what Greg is saying. Yeah, I I, I can see uh, some of some of Greg's point on that as well. Yeah, and we didn't, re- and I mean, we did mention Tom a little bit in this in this discussion, but I mean, you know, when Greg said, you know, I'm enjoying his performance, and I, I am enjoying it more and more. In the back back of my mind, I'm thinking. Uh, hi, my name is Tom Cullen. I'm 42 years old and I'm developmentally, ch- developmentally challenged, which we've heard it enough that we kind of have it memorized ourselves now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then Greg even said, like, even though it's kind of the same thing, but that is his character. And that's true. I mean, that pretty much is Tom Cullen. Yeah. You know, he's another on the surface character. There's not really. I, no, I don't want to say that about Tom. There is definitely some deeper things to Tom than there is Cabrera Julie. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, but dialogue-wise, it's really it's very simple. And I don't mean that. And I don't yes. mean that in like he's a, you know, you know what I mean. Right. Well, it's repetitive. <laughs> yeah, it's repetitive. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and he's definitely a lot more pure of heart too than mm-hmm. what Julie is. So yeah. Oh. Yeah. Way more pure of heart. There's no comparison. Definitely. <laughs> the the only thing pure about Julie is what she puts up her nose. That's mm-hmm. for sure. <laughs> All right. Next voicemail is from our good friend Steve Brown. Well, we got the Don't Fear the Reaper song that you wanted to hear. Um I gotta watch this one again. Uh this is actually uh Thursday morning. I stayed up late. Wednesday night just to watch it for the first time. I'm going to have to watch this a second of time before I can send in any thoughts. Uh, hey, uh, Rima, Ben, and uh, maybe Pake, this is Steve. Just started watching the episode for the second time, and, um, you know, Catherine McNamara is, is cute, but I, I, that whole daddy thing, I can't, I can't. That just is weird to me. I, I don't know why anybody would say that. And the soundtrack of this episode in particular, wow. I love that Joe is this is this musical prodigy. I think that's that's really cool. I, and uh, yeah, just my thought. Why would you take your coat to go to the bathroom? I'm surprised Stu and Fran didn't notice. Well, maybe, I guess he was already out of their eyesight when he picked up his coat. What is it with the milk? Is that is, is that a book thing? Maybe one of you guys have researched that. I don't remember. I don't know which is more messed up, the fact that uh, uh, Harold is, is watching them through the nanny cam or the fact that the people who lived there before them had a nanny cam in their master bedroom. Like a teddy bear nanny cam. That's weird. All right. Uh, no flashbacks in this one. So we're moving forward. Talk to you later. Uh Steve, I love you that ki- voicemail so much. <laughs> you you kind of answered your own question in your voicemail, though. Um, why would anybody have a nanny cam? They didn't. Yeah. That's why Harold took his jo- his coat upstairs with him. Mm-hmm. Yep. He planted that camera in the teddy bear. Yeah. yeah. That was not already there. That was just a regular teddy bear. Harold took his coat up so he could plant that camera. You see him glance over, see the bear. Mm-hmm. And then it's revealed later. Like, oh, that's why he took his that's coat. A perfect place to leave him. He planted. Like he planted that camera in the bear. Yeah. So you kind of answered your own question in your voicemail. <laughs> so, but yeah. I love I love Steve's voicemails because they're not just feedback; they're commentary. It's yeah. like live tweeting. 
Yeah, um, you get to go on the journey with it through the yeah. episode. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. I love it. And and Steve, I've I've said many times on either this podcast or other podcasts, um, anytime it's come up that I've guessed it on. Um, I, I don't I don't understand the daddy thing either. <laughs> I know it's a thing. Yeah. I I I don't understand it. But uh hey, if, if that's your thing, then more power to you. But I'm I'm with you, so I understand that part of it. Um that took me out just a little bit too i don't get it but she can call me daddy any <laughs> <laughs> sorry that was my that was that was my alexander skarsgård moment you know i'm i've said it's all fair play here i'm going to gush a lot so and i, I if i haven't already apologized for that in the beginning i might have because it's like look folks that's just where we're at um and then let me do it now. I apologize if you're going to listen. You're going to hear me talk about it. I'll try to rein myself in a little bit because I know it's it's um, it's obnoxious sometimes. I it's, get it. It's so funny. I'm going to give a shout out to a new listener too. Um, my friend Brittany is listening to the podcast. Uh, she is watching the stand purely for Cat McNamara because she has a huge crush on Cat McNamara. All right. And, well, welcome, um, Brittany. That's I hope I'm hoping she's not jealous that I'm also crushing on Cat McNamara. Well, uh, I think we're all anything I was gonna say, I think we're all crushing yeah. a little bit on her. <laughs> and I don't know from the episode, it looks like there's plenty of her to go around. Yeah. So <laughs> absolutely. I think think that's okay. So <laughs> and I'm I'm I I'm hoping because I gave her a shout out. She will leave us feedback at some point before the series ends. Um, I think so. yeah, she kind of has to now. Yeah. Gotta put her on the spot. Yeah, exactly. You're you're on you're you're now on point, you're on deck. Yeah. Gotta leave us feedback. It's <laughs> got got gotta leave a little something. <laughs> we would love to hear from you and see what you think. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was a lot of great feedback. Thank you all so much. I love hearing the differing opinions. I know we've got some dissenters out there that aren't loving um, you know, the series or maybe not loving certain things, um, and then other folks that are loving it. So I like hearing everything. Um, so thanks everyone for contributing. Um, great voice messages, emails, and feedback. Keep it coming. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's you're right. There are some people out there that just aren't crazy about the series. I know a couple people who've stopped watching the series but are still mm -hmm. listening to us every week, and I love that. I love, I the love that. I love the support. And just because we're enjoying the series doesn't mean you have to. Right. So, you know, everybody's entitled to their to their incorrect opinions. Um, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm totally yeah. kidding. I'm totally yeah, I knew you're kidding. joking because it's one of those, like you said. There's a lot of valid understanding because, I mean, yeah, I I'm it. enjoying watching this show. Is it the best show I've ever watched? Is it perfect? Are the characters all amazingly casted and portrayed? No, but it's fun. Yeah, and I do enjoy it for what it is. Absolutely. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. So. All right. Well. Next week, we will be covering episode six, which titled for now, unless they change it on us again, is called The Vigil. I'm completely expecting it next week to be the Boulder Shank Redemption at this point. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it could, it could be anything. So it could knows? be anything. But yeah. that's that's what they left me with whenever I was creating the agenda. And um, so that's what I'm going with. Uh, if it changes We'll 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 run with it. The Boulder um, Shank Redemption. Where the I hell don't did know. I get that? Did you have you slept? You haven't slept much. Have no, you no, been? I've been <laughs> sleeping good lately. I just don't know where I pulled that from. I think I just yeah. pulled another Stephen King work and threw Boulder in there. Yeah. Why not? Why not? 
Um, well, we are excited for you to travel to the Boulder Free Zone with us. But until then, you can follow us on Twitter at Strange TCast. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash stranger TCast. You can email us at strangerthingscastpod at gmail.com. And you can also find us on the TV Time app. You can find Strange Indeed at a bunch of other great Podcastica podcasts at podcastica.com. Go out and leave a review for Strange Indeed on Apple Podcasts. So on Podcastica, we are still currently um, over on House Podcastica. Jason Rich um, and myself are covering season three of Cobra Kai, having a great time at it. Ben, you were a guest on the most recent episode that we just covered. I was. Um, that's available now. That was awesome. That was a lot of fun. Um, it was and, a lot of fun. And I, I loved that I got all three of you um, with my joke because we, when we were running down our top three and I saved my number one to be the uh, the Enterprise Rent-A-Car uh, <laughs> yeah, promotional oh, yes, plug. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that that got all three of you. So I was, yeah. I was excited about Product that. Product placement. That yeah, <laughs> that was a lot of fun. So be sure to check out. Um, if you haven't watched Cobra Kai yet, I highly encourage that you do. It's a super fun show. Um, that you just can't help but get caught up in. So check that out and check out um, House Podcast's coverage of that. And also, um, because we, we love promoting great podcasts here on Strange Indeed, I'd love for you to go check out Ben and his podcasts on thenextlevelnetwork.com um, and check out all of Ben's projects. He's got a lot going on right now. Is there anything specific you'd like to talk about this week, Ben? Wilhelm. Wilhelm officially launches next weekend. Ooh, Yay! Nice. So excited about that because I know both of you are going to be guests on it at some point in time. Hell uh, yeah. Jason, the uh, the fearless leader of Podcastica is already scheduled to be on and it's uh, sweet. It's it's going to be fun. You're going to hear a lot of familiar Podcastica voices as some, as well as some new voices. Uh, popping yeah. up. So we're just going to talk. Great. We're going to talk about movies. We're going to have a good time. Um, and other than that, um, season seven is um, being planned right now for my spotlight podcast, which is my celebrity interview podcast. Nice. Um, I have a bunch of potential interviews in the works for season seven and they're uh, some of the biggest ones I've had yet. So we're uh, I'm excited for where that's going to go. That's awesome. Yep. Awesome. We can't wait to check all of that out. And Pake, you and Daphne are still knocking it out on run for your lives podcast. Um, yes. What have you guys got going on right now? All right. So the most recent episode that is up that you can go listen to right now is Attack the Block, which was a British sci-fi comedy action kind of movie, which was it has a John Boyega from the newer Star Wars movies. I think this was one of his oh, first things that he did. Interesting. Younger, so it's great. And it also has Jodie Whittaker, the current doctor. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, it's I got like a great her. cast. Nick Frost is in it. And so yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. And then the newest episode that will come out a couple of days after this podcast is out. So this weekend on Friday is when we upload. Speaking of Jason, the, the pod father from Podcastica, <laughs> so this week's episode, we had Jason and I was very honored to have Jason on our podcast. And we talked about the movie, The Descent, Ooh. which is super creepy and super dark and just, yeah, it was a great one. It was a great conversation, though. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, I was only able to watch that the one time when it came out because it, it was mm. messed up. Yeah. So, yeah. Is, is, is that the one with the girls that go spelunking? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I've seen it. It's <laughs> creepy. It Very is creepy. Good. That's awesome. We'll yeah. look forward to that. Yes, indeed. But for now, 
Uh, that's our show. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in and listening. Until next time, I'm Rima. I'm Ben. And I'm Pate. And Archmaester Rennie is strange indeed.